room, you can't move, you can't speak. It's, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. You know, you're looking out into the darkness and then you see a figure, but it's darker than the darkness. I just get this like really creepy feeling and I see this, uh, this like shadowy demon looking figure in the front seat of the car. She used to come into my room at night and stand right by my bed and I just was petrified. I remember I saw something fly by my bedroom window. We heard the bathroom door shut. So then we looked out my bedroom window down the hallway and the bathroom door was wide open. So we came around the bend and we saw eye shine. This thing stood up. I mean, it stood up. And it had high pointed ears. It had a snout, it had a long arm, and it just it grabbed the deer. Okay, guys, I am super excited to welcome our next guest to Let's Get Freaky. We've got the fantastic Dave Emmons with us tonight. How are you, sir? I am fine, Tommy. Thank you so much for bringing me on. And this being in the UK, I love it. I got, I've been on a, a lot of UK shows. Uh, and, you know, of course, I'm old. My memory doesn't, but I, <laughs> I you know, uh, you know, Philip Manso and I, Mark Ollie. Oh, and you know all these 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 people. Uh, there's some. So I know there's some guys that's going to be pissed off at me if I when I say I forgot I forgot a lot of their names. But uh, like I was it telling happens, man. Yeah, yeah the, the <laughs> list that I keep, I have to I have to look at that. But uh, and and I told you about me being old enough to where when I go out and find my friends, I I don't want to say it. Like I you know I, you got to dig them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're not old, sir. You told me you hit the gym three or four times a week. So I'm very impressed with that, man. Yeah, three times a week. And I, of course, I write and I do shows. I got to keep up. That's that's the thing for people. Be enlightened. You know, the here's the thing about what's going on with me and what I see is do your 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 body, do your physical thing, but do your mental thing too. And I write books and of course and I do podcasts and I'm doing your show. And that keeps me on the ball because I, I want to please my host and I want to please your audience. And I don't want to be some kind of a jerk or some, you know, somebody that mumbles and misses their 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 points. But I see a lot of people that uh, I called it cul-de-sac thinking, it, especially with UFOs and with disclosure. Cul-de-sac yeah. thinking is something new. I just popped up today. And what I mean by that is you go into this cul-de-sac and you turn around and you go back out. You don't only go so forward in believing and then you stop. You don't, you just turn around and say, okay, I'm going to go back to my old beliefs. There is no UFOs. There are no ETs. Bull crap. They are. They're out there. They're there. Yeah, for sure. I've met them and I've been, I've been stung by them, uh, I guess, mentally, emotionally, all my life by these, these critters. But uh, I know quite a bit about the ET thing and I know disclosure. We're, we're looking at that. But I, I also hear that there's problems with it. We're supposed to have a, a committee. Uh, you know, meeting the 26th, we're supposed to have military people, Pentagon, we're supposed to have representatives there. I heard though in Florida that the the military, there's an air force base that they're going to, and they're not really saying that the, the site or whatever, but there's already problems and they're already like the Pentagon people said, no, we're not talking. And then the representatives are saying, no, you know, we want to go in there. We want to listen to this. 
And so they're kind of like giving the representatives a, a shove off, you know? So I don't know if we're going to get disclosure. They're half of half of the, the officials in the Pentagon and, and in also in politics, they, they don't want disclosure. And then the other half does. So there you go. It's like, a, like our, our political divide here in this country, it's 50, 50. Yeah. That, that makes for a pain. I'm telling you, we, you just can't get anywhere. It's a grind. And then the disclosure also is going to be a grind, but, People should know if they see things in the sky, all they have to do is go outside and look up and, and you'll see something. There's, you know, orbs or whatever. But if these orbs behave kind of weird, you know, and they make little turns and this and that, well, there's something to look at. They're a UFO. Uh, they're UAP. You know, I, I don't like the UAP thing. I stick with the old thing, the UFO. Yeah. Uh, but that's what people need to do and enlighten themselves. Uh, not only with politics, but with thinking about UFOs and thinking about how we can we can make this better. And I hear also I hear this four ET races that are working with us here in the US. Uh and we've been they've been talking about that for about 30, 40 years. And there's been a lot of whistleblowers come forward and talk about it. Interesting. These, these ETs working with us are actually helping us with our technology. Uh, helping us back engineer some things, but they're only going so far because I think there's some kind of a galactic federation and which sounds kind of like star Wars, you know, like, like some kind of a phony fake thing, but I actually think there's a galactic federation in my sci-fi book that I'm writing right now, my fourth book uh, about completed with that. I get into this galactic federation thing where another race ET race cannot come here and interfere directly with our our human race but they're here helping in in more gentle and more silent secret ways and the, the galactic federation i think probably goes along with that it's just like nato you know we have nato uk and us we have nato they have the same thing that's kind of like the galactic federation i don't know if they call it that but it's some kind of a rule or or some kind of a ruling class that that says okay you can only go so far with these planets uh, because there there were uh, planet hoppers some thousands of years ago, and I've heard this from academia. They talked about the reptilians going on certain planets, human humanoid planets, and just completely sacking that 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 whole world and actually destroying it and taking you know all all the riches from it or whatever the gold or the elements that they look for. Now they deal in elements that we don't know about. They're higher up, like element one nineteen, element one fifteen that type of thing. But those are, those are higher up elements that we we're not aware of. We haven't made them yet. Uh, and they're man-made, but to get back, I guess, Tommy, to you was asked me earlier, you wanted to know how I got started in the UFO thing. Uh, the yeah. politics, the politics I got, I got started because I was, a, I was a soldier and I worked in top secret for a little bit and I got out of it because I didn't like it. I was only 20 years old. I was in a class of master degree people, about 15 people in a nuclear weapons uh, class. And uh, it was at Redstone Arsenal, Alabama. And I didn't like the military intelligence people talking to me all the time. So I just decided I needed to get out, but they said I couldn't. My grade point average was too high. So I had to go to post chaplain to get me out. So wow. I got out. But it, it just so happened that my brother, he was in with me on a buddy plan, his wife, was pregnant, about ready to have a baby, going to have my niece. 
And so the captain said, well, you're going to get orders for Vietnam dropping out of this class. And, you know, I got retrained for a little secretary thing. They have to, they have to, they have to kind of train you for some kind of a job in MOS in order to ship you out. So I got trained real quick as a, as an accounting ammunition accounting clerk. So I got that. And then uh, the captain said, well, you're going to probably go to Vietnam. And then I, my brother's, uh, called me and said he was he had he got orders for Vietnam. I said no, you're not going. And I went to my captain. I said, give me orders for Vietnam. I said I, I don't want my brother going. He's going to have a baby. I'm single, you know. So let me go. So I was the stronger of the two. Anyway, I mean he I was more into the it wasn't I wasn't that I was a combat liking person, but I was a patriotic person. And so I went and sent orders to his commanding officer, stopped him from going, and I went over uh, to Vietnam and served a year there. So I I become a platoon sergeant, and uh, I was actually going to give be given a field commission of a lieutenant, uh, but I didn't want to stay in. I, I said that was enough for me. One year in Vietnam, that was enough. But that was my. Uh, my interest there. And a lot of people said, did you see UFOs or did you see any ETs or Bigfoot there? I said, no, I didn't. Even on my patrols, on my recons, I didn't see anything that weird. Now in the night sky, our night sky was lit up anyway with flares and the, and puffed the magic, magic dragon with that minigun that does this bright red. So we saw all kinds of lights. So we couldn't tell which ones were which. Yeah. So, did hear about there was some contacts uh, with some UFOs in Vietnam, but I I wasn't there with it. My interest uh, going jumping back and forth here. My interest started actually in 1962. I was sitting outside. It's in my book. They what do they want? And I have that book right here for people awesome. to see. It's uh, they what they want. Hangar One Publishing. Great guys there. And uh, I I wrote that book. And a lot of people told me, said, Dave, you need to write a book. I'd go to these UFO conventions and these meetings. I said, you have so many experiences. You need to write them. I said, I got them in a ledger. I typed them all out. And they're in about 280. It was really thick. And uh, I, so I went through the ledger and I picked out about half of the events. And I put them uh, in this book. Wow. But I start was in 1962 and I was outside playing in the yard. We had 11 kids in our family. My dad was a, was a blue collar worker. So we were kind of poor. So we made, we made fun whenever we could in the yard or whatever, but that's how we were happy. I mean, uh, nowadays kids don't get outside. They don't play. They don't do things we used to do, but I sitting out there and all my brothers and sisters were inside the house uh, watching their favorite TV program. But I sat outside looking at the stars I was kind of a, a kid that I I walk I would walk alone. I'd go places and I'd keep looking up. For some reason, I was driven for some something. I don't know what it was. Uh, my mom said I was born with gray sideburns. So that's she said she said she thought that was kind of you know striking. You know she said she couldn't believe it. Uh, and then but uh, I always had this out of the box thinking. A lot of people now that's part of their problem. Uh, it's like you you see academia, and you also see the religious uh, structures, you know, organizations. They put this box over your head, and they said, "Okay, this is what you can believe. You can't believe anything further than that." That's yeah. what people. That's what people are stuck in. But when I was a kid, I didn't have that. I didn't know anything about the box over the head. 
the only thing I knew, I had a cardboard box on my head when I was playing outside. <laughs> but, uh, but I saw this craft coming up. It was about 8.30 in the evening, something like that. And, and it was just kind of turning dark. And it was rectangular. And it looked like maybe about 75 feet long and probably about 30 feet wide. And it kind of looked like a barge, uh, like a river barge, flat, you know. And uh, it had a, a hazy blue light underneath of it that was kind of flashing around. And then at the front, it had two bright white lights. It come up close to me. I guess it was about 50, 60 feet away from me. I sat there and I was scared, but I don't know what happened after that. I, I was only afraid for just a few seconds. After that, I don't remember what happened. I, The only thing I remember is I ended up in bed with my brother. I'd shared a bed with my brother and I ended up there and I felt the presence beside me. Uh, and anybody who's felt the presence, there's a lot of people who have felt a presence beside them. It could be an angel. And of course that's my second, my third book actually angels and, and supernatural entities, but it could be an angel or an ET at this point it was an ET cause I saw the craft. So there was a, a seed planted. Not my legs were numb still and I couldn't move. And I, I turned to my brother, I could talk. And I said, I said, Jack, did you, you see or hear anything? And he goes, no, get, get the bed. I said, okay. And then this, this, the, whatever was beside me left. And then my legs kind of come back to it. I can feel my legs again. They, they kind of paralyze you. They, they dumb you down from what I call it. Now that event, I don't, I never got a regress dream on that. That, that event just happened. I remembered it. Uh, it was kind of quick and it was something that I don't, I don't have a lot of research on. I haven't got a re regress dream. I might have, but I, I can't tell you which regress dream that, that coincided with that event. So uh, the, the other event that happened a year later and I was with my best friend and this is where, this is what really started. The first one was kind of like a, like a weird dream, like I was telling in 62, but in 63, it was the starting of summer. We were out of school and my best friend and I, he was about 10 months younger than me. We were sitting on his steps. He had a basement apartment or a basement flat and him and his dad shared it. And uh, so we were sitting on his steps, listening to a 10 transistor radio and drinking Pepsi Cola out of a glass. I mean, out of a bottle. And that dates me right there. That You you can't get no glass no. Pepsi bottles anymore. <laughs> so, so that dates me. And a 10 transistor radio, of course, too, was, uh, was, was our big thing back then. It started snapping and popping. I asked my buddy, I said, did you change the batteries in that? He said, yes, I just did. And then we smelled something we thought smelled like sulfur, but it actually wasn't sulfur. Now, I went hunting when I was a kid, uh, six, seven years old. You know, and I was hunting almost every year with my dad and my uncles, and I knew what gunpowder smelled like. It kind of smelled like that, except it wasn't exactly that until later on I learned it was ozone. It's where carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and oxygen all get together, and it burns from the heat from the bottom of a craft, and it kind of puts off a little smoke or odor. Well, we smelled that, and then we saw some lights flickering above the treetops, and uh, our yard his yard and my yard were all kind of catty corner joined together. Uh, the street was parallel. There's a st his street and my street. And in between you had the houses there, but the, you had the shared backyards that would butt up against each other. So we, he said, okay, let's go up and get my dad's flashlight out of his truck. 
We said, okay. So we went up and we started walking on his street and it was, a, we was walking parallel, walking with it, following it. And the lights were, were going slow. Of course, they were observing us. And I knew that much of it, but my buddy was kind of dissed whenever I, I gave him a copy of the book and I wrote in there, he said that when he was flashing the flashlight at this craft or whatever, we thought we didn't know what it was at that point because we couldn't see it very well over the tree tops and the limbs. It it was flickering back at us. Well, I was thinking about that when I got up to the, we got up into this empty lot and where, where we could see it really well. And when he mentioned that later on, I said, no, I said the lights were flickering from the tree limbs and the leaves. When I would go through the top of a tree limb, it'd flicker. He thought it was communicating with him. I said, no. And he, and he to this day, he still thinks it was. And I said, no, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't your flashlight. I said, it's a good thought. I said, they do communicate with light flickering. So, but I don't, I didn't see them doing that at the same rate he was doing it. We got up there and this, actually this craft was over my backyard, exactly over my backyard. It was probably 50, 60 if it was 70 feet up, it moved down a little bit. And it was, it was only 50, 60 feet up away from us. And Dr. David Jacobs, who I admire that man in the books that he wrote, he said, if you come within a hundred feet of a UFO, you're nabbed, you are the target. And so I didn't know that then I didn't, I wasn't that studied. I didn't know what was going on. We stood there and we was looking at this craft. It, it was actually about 30 feet wide. It was about maybe 24, 25 feet tall. It had three like rings around it. It was kind of like a little fat top. You've ever seen those screw tops where you you do the, you yank them and then they spin. Yeah. And it, it had three levels. It was kind of bubbly. The The bottom portion was flat. Uh, I've seen these Nazi, uh, you know, these Nazis. I know you probably saw them too, Tommy. These, yep. these Nazi flying saucers that they built. Yeah. And, they were actually assisted by the real and the real was an ET uh, race. So that's another story. But uh, this thing, it was black at the bottom and I can tell why it was black. Cause it kind of burned its way through our atmosphere when it come down out of a wormhole probably, and then come down through our atmosphere. And that's what we smelled. And so I, I was looking at it and we started pinching each other and uh, he pinched me real hard and I, I said oh that's too hard he said i we got to make sure we're not dreaming i said we're not i said i can see it and and i can the, the three levels the first level was about eight feet thick uh must have been wherever the all the mechanical stuff was at the second level were windows portals and and i was looking at those portals we could see shadows moving around that i know they could see us but we couldn't see them so as a kid i told my buddy i said I don't want to see him. I said, it's scary, you know? And he, and he just stood there. He says, he says, he's a, just keep an eye. Let's watch the windows. And I said, I'm doing that. And he said, he heard a little hissing sound, another a sound. I didn't hear that. Now I've heard it on other craft. I've seen six up close. I've heard it on two other craft, but I never heard it on this one. And I was paying close attention because I was locked in. I was like, like these little kids that go to a, a, a horror movie and they want to be scared, but they don't want to be scared. You know how that is? You, you know, yeah. One does the other. You know, you you want to see this creature, you know, but you you're you're too afraid. And then then you build up the excitement, and you finally see, uh, you know, you see these shadows. And so, 
we stood there and I remember some of the conversation because I had a regress dream on this one and I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, so we stood there and we talked and I, I told him he didn't remember some of the conversation we had, but in my regress dream, I, I, I brought it back like self-hypnosis in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I told him, I said, I wish my brother Jack was here. He was, he was at home in bed. We could figure it was around 10, 15, 10, 30, somewhere like that when this whole thing started. And uh, we didn't know what time, because we didn't have watches. We didn't have those little cheap Timexes. I think the year later I had a cheap Timex watch, you know, uh, as a Christmas gift. But uh, we didn't have time. We didn't, we didn't have, we wasn't able to tell the time. We kept staring at this thing. And we felt like something must have happened. And all of a sudden we ended up standing in the same place, but then the ship was gone. And, but in my, I saw it leave. He didn't. There was another thing too. Uh, when, when they take you on board ship, they dumb you down. You don't know what you're doing. All you, you can observe and see. I can get in the regress dream here to explain this part about uh, him not knowing and me knowing. My brother told me, he says, the reason why you you know is because you have a third eye. And my whole family tells me that. They said that you can you can probably, you know, you have the consciousness to to actually know or, or you can you you're you're knowing what's going on. Yeah. And when I was on this 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 dream, uh I was on this ship sitting on this table, it's a metal table. It was dark, and I remember it was warm. I remember my buddy was in there. He was to my right, but it was so dark I couldn't see him. I knew he was there, but I was there trying to put a shirt on. And since I was a little chubby guy, you know, they my nickname was Lardy. His dad actually gave me that name. And the teacher, I'll, I'll just get off, jump off here real quick and kind of break up the, the seriousness. But my teacher in grade school, when I was uh, in the fifth and sixth grade or whatever, they asked our, our nicknames. And then we'd stand up and say our nicknames, and then we'd say why we got them. Well, I, I stood up and I said, uh, I said my nickname's Lardy. And the teacher said, why'd you get that nickname, uh, Dave? I said, Lardass. <laughs> <laughs> the teacher said, sit down. That's enough. <laughs> But no, that's that's uh, his dad gave me that. That's what I was thinking about that uh, during this whole conversation. But I was chubby and I couldn't get the shirt off. I was struggling. I couldn't get it on. And I was real drowsy. I remember almost kind of like falling off the table. I was so drowsy. And and then finally, apparently they must have saw that they had the wrong shirts for the wrong guys. He was a little uh, smaller than me. He wore small. I wore medium. So it was tough for me to get the shirt on. We always wore these these button-down shirts back in the 60s. Uh, we didn't wear a lot of T-shirts. T-shirts are in style now, but back then we didn't. But I knew that it, I had his shirt on afterwards, after the regression. And uh, that was, and I, I told him, I said, you know, I also saw the ship take off to the west. Now, I got to get to this next because the next shoe to drop, I'm, since I'm a journalist, I usually keep track of how the stories go and how the facts fit in. Yeah. Well, the next fact, it was two weeks later. In my left testicle, I felt a lump. I was 14 at the time. I felt a lump and I thought, what is this? 
And I looked and there was about an inch little red line. I mean, it was a real thin red line. I didn't know what that was then, but now I know, I know it as a laser cut. And, and I saw that, that red line. I took this little lump, I kept squeezing it and I pushed it out. Uh, It didn't hurt too bad. And when I got it out, there wasn't any blood. That line did not bleed. There wasn't any blood. You'd think there'd be a little bit of blood. When I got it out, it looked like a little Advil tablet, like a little M&M is about the size of that. But it was ash color, light color ash. And as I kept it out, it got darker from the oxygen. It it was deteriorating. I, I took it and showed my mom. And she said, what is that? I said, Mom, I got that out of my, well, as a kid, I said my, you know, but it's a testicle. You know, yeah. the right. And she said, she said, that's just an ingrown hair. And she said, throw it away. I said, no, Mom. And she looked at me and said, what do you mean, no? I said, there was a red line cut for it. I said, I just pushed it back out of that red line that was cut. She froze. She didn't know what to say. And she looked at me and shook her head. She goes, and she didn't know. She looked away and then she goes, throw it away. You know, I wish we could have kept it in a baggie, but back then it would have been dissolved anyway. So it would have yeah. never, never kept it, but wow. that implant, that was actually an implant they put in. And they say when you are in the puberty area, puberty stage, like 13, 14, a guy, a girl could be younger, uh, that that's where they concentrate on. Because at that point, you your semen is healthy, strong, and brand new, and they they look for that. That's how what they look for, uh, and uh, so I knew that that implant. And then some time later, several years later, I got to thinking. I went back to that same site, looked over, kind of did a drawing, and we saw the craft in the southwest when we as we were looking. But when the craft took off, it went immediate due west. When I saw it just take off and go through the clouds real quick, he didn't see that. He was still dumbed down. So that's how I know that he wasn't out of the the anesthetic. I guess what they whatever they, they dumb us down with magnetic energy. It's yeah. not a shot. So he wasn't. He didn't see that ship take off to the west like I did. When I drew it out, I found out that the ship had to move about 30, 35 degrees without us seeing it. We didn't see it move. All we saw it was just real steady. So in, in investigating the situation, I found out that it moved. So all these things made sense to me. We were abducted because when we got home that night, uh, he said, I'm going to go home and tell my dad I saw, we saw a flying saucer. And so he went home and I went home. When I got home, the door was locked. My mom thought maybe I was staying all night with my buddy's house. And, you know, we were going to stay up late and watch TV. And uh, she said, where have you been? She said, you know how, what time it is, how late you are? I said, no, I don't, Mom. I said, but I saw a flying saucer. I said, uh, Rawhide, this is the nickname. Rawhide and I saw a flying saucer. She said, "She said, now get in the house. I'll fly and saucer your butt. You know, so that was it. That was the end of the, the, the statement. But little did I know, and my mom knows about UFOs too. Uh, her family has seen a, a UFO up over there, the hill of their backyard. And they saw the lights and stuff in it, the windows and the panels. And, and and that's why she kept telling us, she said, if you ever see a flying saucer, run the other way. They warned people back in the 50s and 60s to stay away from flying saucers on the radio. So people listened to that and that scared yeah. them. They didn't want to see flying saucers. So that, all those facts put together and, and my regress dream 
and with a witness and with a, you know, I wish we could have taken pictures. What we probably couldn't have because they, they would have hit us with magnetic energy. Even our watches probably would have stopped. Uh, so they're they're good at doing that. They can actually control the environment. They can turn off your car. They can turn off your radio. They can mess up your camera. They can burn your batteries out. And they, and they do it here in my trail cam in the house. They actually have burned out my batteries. I don't know how many times. Wow. Uh, yeah, just just by playing with it. And sometimes they'll do other things with the camera. They'll they'll make it take so many videos and there's nothing in it but they they know how to control their these beings are so many millions of years ahead of us that they can control anything we have anything that's simple radios tv computers uh they've been doing that quite a quite a bit to me so uh it keeps going on and on tommy so that's that's what started it and then i I went in the, the military and after the military, I got out and I worked, I went to school part-time and I played music for 40, 45 years with my brothers. So I kept really busy. And during that time between the, uh, I guess the seventies and eighties, I saw orbs. I saw things flying in the air, but I didn't pay no mind to them because I saw, you know, as you can remember, I saw two up close UFOs. So the orbs and the things flying around in the sky didn't excite me. I would look at them and watch them, but that's about all I saw. I I didn't keep a ledger back in the 70s and 80s. I was so busy. Matter of fact, I passed out from being so busy from working and, and playing music and going to school. My doctor said, you have to give up something. And I said, it can't be music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep playing music. I, I, told, I told my buddy Mark Ollie uh, that same thing. He said, yeah. He said, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, uh, no, but those years were kind of quiet for me, except seeing things. I knew I had some, uh, I thought was uh, sleep paralysis during those years, 70s and 80s. I had that, but I didn't know at the time that it was, it could have been abductions because I found out later on, about maybe 15 years later, and I'll get to those stories, that I found out that it wasn't exactly may not have been sleep paralysis. It, 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 I could have been abducted. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So up until about 1995, uh, I was, I was married and I was in a bedroom about three o'clock in the morning. And people must remember this three o'clock to six o'clock in the morning are really times that you're going to see weird things and things happen at those times for some reason. The magic numbers, like Tesla said, uh, three, six, and nine, well, that comes true all the time. They're synchronicity numbers, and they're also scientific numbers, and they mean something. They, uh, Tesla said, if we knew the meaning of three, six, and nine, we'd know the answers to the universe. Apparently, he must have known. Uh, very smart man. Uh, Einstein was smart, too, but he didn't get into a lot of that other stuff like Tesla did. But uh, very, they, they exchange knowledge, and I guess that's how they come up with the atom bomb. Uh, that movie's out now, Oppenheimer. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so that's that's how they got their intelligence together. And that's what we should do here on Earth is get our intelligence together. If we can find that many people that are, that are going to be wanting to do that, you know, just to work yeah. out peace and be happy on this and euphoric on this planet. But, no, nothing happened until the first, the next thing that happened to me that I remember, and this was something I'd never forget. 
So I didn't even write it down in notes, but I did put it in my ledger. Uh, just a few years later, I started my ledger and I started putting all these things down in the times. In 95 is around three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I, I woke up, I felt something in the room and I had an adopted daughter at the time and she'd come into our master bedroom and go to the, to the bathroom and for, for aspirins cause she had headaches a lot. She's, she was young. She was about 14 or something like, like that. So she had headaches a lot and uh, it's from being a young lady, but I thought it was her. So I got up and I put my chin in my right hand, my palm. And I looked, I called out her name three times. I saw a dark figure go across the mirror, the dresser mirror, but my wife had a blanket over the window because she, even drapes and everything didn't, she wanted it darker because she had to have it dark in order to sleep. So this object come around to my other, on my side of the bed, I was on the, on the left side and this object come up to me and I had my hand, my, my chin and my, my left hand. And I was looking at it. I thought it was my daughter and it wasn't, it was about a three and a half foot tall. Uh, it was really ugly. I mean, it was had so deep of wrinkles increases you can take a credit card and slide it in there and this thing had big eyes its eyes were twice the size maybe plus are than, than ours was it had the white pupils and it had an iris but i i couldn't tell the color of the eyes but i knew it didn't have the black the black shields it didn't have to because it was dark in that room so they don't like the light so they wear the the shields on their eyes that's what gives them that big the black eye look Wow, uh, so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the I saw his eyes, and when I looked at him, I, I had fear. I just I was just really afraid. And it happened about five or seven seconds. I was sitting there looking at him, and he's looking at me, and then I just passed out. I don't I don't know what happened after that. I kind of figure uh, there's three modes of uh, abductions. One is a bedside abduction in which they don't move you. What they do is they take frequency tests on you. They take semen from you, and they also take DNA samples, and they keep track of you. Uh, they're doing this because they can track not just 20% of our DNA, in which scientists say that we have, and the other 80% is junk. No, it's not junk. Other scientists have just come forward here lately in the last few months and said that 80% has some function to it, and it has some frequencies to it. And so what I think it is and what they're doing, the ETs know how to check our 20%. That's that's us. That's yeah. us. But they also know how to check the other 80%. And what that does, that goes back all the way through your bloodlines, your family bloodlines. And that's why they, they follow families. That's why they say that families, they follow the bloodline of certain DNA of families. And that's why they do it. Because what they're doing is checking that 80% junk DNA, which we call it, but it has frequencies. They know how to read all these frequencies. We don't. We know that DNA does have its own frequency. And now I think they can actually detect each one of us. Have, we have a different frequency. So they can detect that now. That's just that 20% they're working with. They don't want to that 80%. This yeah. is a concept that I've just come up with the last two or three weeks. And I put it all together talking to scientists. I talked to a lot of scientists. And I, I put the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's an interesting fact that a couple of scientists said, wow, never thought of it that way. But that's that's what they're doing. They're not yeah. only 20 percent. 
Uh, where I got that, Tommy, is I met, a, I'll jump ahead real quick. And I, I met a, an ET in Sedona, Arizona in 2010. And yeah. she, was a, she was a Japanese Asian a humanoid ET. And when she come up to me, uh, she, she looked at me kind of smiling. And, and I told her, I said, are you going to go hiking? She, we was the only one in the parking lot there at Cathedral Rock in Sedona. And I was there filming with my Sony cam and I filmed her a little bit. And I said, are you going hiking? I said, it looks like it's going to rain. It's cloudy. It's cool. She goes, no. I said, are you waiting for somebody? She goes, no. And she says, I'm here to see you. And I said, what? And then she said, we were supposed to meet. Now, those words are are a good title, but I'm not going to talk about that. But uh, she said, we were supposed to meet. And she didn't know me. My, I always thought about this. Did She didn't know me, my 20%. But what she knew was some of the 80% that was in me. She must have knew some past interest or some race that, that, that that's it's in my my 80 percent uh re i guess you can call it a computer uh you know memory card uh that's what that's what that 80 percent is and that's what we are we're just a, a a walking memory stick for the with for the ets so that's what convinced me looking at all these little signs and these little facts i thought okay that's what they're doing they it's just not family dna they're looking where we come from and how we and how we we come through the thousands of years, probably all the way through human history, we we have that in us. And they yeah. trace that down. And what they're doing is they're making sure that their little project works because they manipulate our DNA. Uh but that that critter after that critter I woke up, I and I asked my wife, here I hear again, the person next to you is always knocked out. They're always put out. Because they, if they they have a target, they don't want anybody else to know. Even dogs are put put down in sleep and dumbed down, I call it. So I asked my wife, did you see or hear anything? She goes, no, go to sleep. You know, she's mad. And I, so I said, okay. But my eyes were flickering, a nervous tick. It was yeah. really, I couldn't even, I couldn't see too well because my eyes were flickering. And I said, and I held my head, what's going on, you know? And I uh, and I heard this from several other abductees or contactees. They said the same thing, that their eyes were flickering after a, an abduction. And I went into the bathroom. And I looked and my eyes were just twitching. I threw cold water in my face and I walked around. I had to go to work in about an hour and a half. So I went in and watched some, some late night TV just to chill out. I said, what the heck just happened? And I was just really weirded out, you know, and I uh, I, I didn't know who to talk to. Who do you talk to? You know, yeah. you can family members or, or whatever, but uh, a lot of people think you're crazy. And like 50% of the population now think, uh, you know, probably I'm crazy, but I'm not. I've got a high IQ, 138 plus. Uh, I've went through the military and, and maxed their, their tests out. And uh, I've got five years of actual college and uh, I write my facts down. Uh, you know, I'm an author, a podcaster, a musician. So I'm not nuts. You know, I'm not yeah. crazy. So the things that I see, I actually try to rationalize. I try to put down in a ledger and I try to check them out. Like I was telling you, I wait for the other shoe to drop, just like a detective would. And that's how you figure things out. And you finally eventually get to the point where, yeah, that really happened. You know, that yeah. was that was real. So I didn't say nothing much about that after that. Uh, and 
in my angel book, I I've I saw an, a lady in white. Uh, I'll go back to 1971 when I come back from war. Of course, when you come back from when combat, you'll have nightmares, and that kind of sticks with you. Uh, but I was lucky. I had two nightmares, and I had one when I was at my mom and dad's house. I want to come back before I was looking for a, an apartment, and I had a uh, and I had a real bad nightmare. I remember, and about the same time, it wasn't but a, just a few days later, I woke up three o'clock in the morning, and I was looking at the foot of my bed. I saw this lady about five seven, five eight, standing there in a white robe with a veil. I couldn't see her face, and I knew it was a woman because the way she was she was built and and how tall she was and and the and the robe. I looked and I said, "What is this?" And it just stood there and looked at me for about the same time, five to ten seconds. And I and I thought, "What am I supposed to do?" You know, I'm looking and I didn't feel. I felt some some energy, but not enough to you know to really make me jump out of the bed. But I watched her. I wasn't afraid of her. It was a very peaceful feeling. And I watched her walk slowly away. She walked into my mom's bedroom. I went in my mom's bedroom, woke her up. And I said, Mom, did you see a, a woman in white, a robe, come in your room? She goes, no. She goes, no, I, I didn't. I said, oh, my God. I said, I'm not seeing things. You know, I was awake. I was conscious when I saw this thing. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't the first time I saw this lady in white in my angels book. I have it in there and I got other people's actual run-ins with angels, but this, this goes in line with my chronological order. The things that happened to me as I was going through, it ha might have something to do with ETs. It could be a Palladian princess, uh, you know, who knows? It could be, you know, some space ET that just dropped there and visit and maybe took, they can, they can actually take your frequency and your memories just just standing, you know, they can do this from up above, high away. They can pinpoint you and take, upload you, download you. That, that's happened to me. I felt it before. Yeah. But this, uh, but that it happened again in 1998 when I got a divorce. It seems like it happens when you're at your you're at your low point in life. I wasn't really low at the point. In a way, I was kind of happy. But you know, you go through all this stress about changing yeah. over names and changing accounts and all this. It's a lot of hassle. But so I was kind of hassled at that point, and and this was at a different house. This was a, down the street from my mom's house, and I lived lived in my own house there with my wife there for a while. And this lady in white come back. The it same was, one. Yeah, the same, same one. Nineteen ninety eight wow. was at the foot of my bed, the same bed, same room that that alien I saw just you know just three four years earlier, and she was standing there at the foot of my bed. I looked and I knew what she was. I mean, this time I said, okay, this is no surprise. So what are you going to say or do? You know, I'm, I'm waiting for her to say or do something. She just stood there and looked at me. And then wow. she turned and walked into my bathroom. I got up, ran in, looked in the bathroom. And that's when I can run better. <laughs> but but I ran into the bathroom and she was gone. Yeah, she wow. was just gone. So I saw that and uh, and I thought there has to be a connection with ETs and, and this thing, or, you know, and I tried to separate the connection and that was hard for me to explain on a show that I've done previously over the weekend, uh, you know, watchers, angels, and ETs. How do you explain the differences between them? It's, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Uh, people get my book, uh, angels and supernatural entities. Uh, they'll see 
you know, what I, I drew from a difference. It's a, it's a very technical book. I, you know, a lot of things I can't memorize because of biblical verses and everything. So that, that book was that, right? I, in 2001 was my next encounter. Sometimes Tommy, you don't have encounters every year. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it comes and goes. Uh, like in 2020, I had a lot of action here at the house. I even got some videos of some of the visitors I had. And, uh, yeah, I do. Wow. <laughs> and and it, I had a lot of action for about three or four months and then all of a sudden it was gone. And, uh, then, but in the, in the past uh, few months, I've had like messing with the TV and electronics and things of that nature. So they never leave you. They always, they're always with you. And even my mom who uh, I've had a couple of hosts who want her on their show and she's 95 years old and she talks very well. I mean, she's very, you know, she, her, if you uh, compare Biden and her acuity, her acuity, uh, you would think she's 49 and he's 200. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, She's very sharp. And I am the recorder and talk to her about a lot of her, uh, instances that she's had in her house. So this is the family thing. And yeah. I've actually seen UFOs too. One brother said he had sleep paralysis last year. I asked him, are you, are you so sure it was sleep paralysis? Because he said he's been watching like two orbs and sometimes three, they play around with each other at a distance and he's watching them off, off his porch. I said, are you so sure it was sleep paralysis? That's where the old hag and uh, that was actually Lilith. That was uh, that was uh, the Garden of Eden. That was Adam's first wife who didn't obey him, so she she was kicked out of Eden, and so she became the evil woman. Uh, that's you know that's folklore, but uh, yeah. the old hag story. You know that's the, what that's what I used to experience. Yeah, the old hag jumps on your chest. You yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, uh, man. It's kind of like sleep paralysis. Yeah. Uh, I, had but that I, don't for years. I don't know if there's a difference, Tommy. Could you yeah. tell it when you had it? Well, at the time when I used to get it, I, I didn't know about sleep paralysis. I didn't know it was a. I didn't. I didn't look at it in a in a paranormal way. I just thought it was more me dealing with stress and things like that. But yeah. I used to. I used to get it at least once a week, and I oh. always. I always felt the presence of what I can only describe as a, a witch in my room. I never, I couldn't see her in, I could, I could only see her in my mind's eye, but she was there and I was fighting against whatever this entity was. And that's all I knew at the time. And it's only recently, like talking to people like yourself and doing this show that I've come to realize that there is a, you know, the hag. Well, uh, the old, the old hag syndrome is folklore and it comes from uh, the evil uh, angel Lilith that uh, would turn into an evil angel. And she, she didn't like kids. So they actually have this, this thing, they blame Lilith. This is folklore. Interesting. Actually, if you find out the devil, there is no real devil with horns or red. The evil is in each of us. If you're evil or good, it, it comes through you. It's your soul. It's your spiritual energy that is either evil or good. And we, we do that ourselves. We're in charge of that ourselves. You've seen that you've seen these movies with the, the devil on one side and the angel on the other side of the shoulder. And they're trying to convince yeah. the person. Yeah. Yeah. To do this. Uh, getting back to the, the, the hag on the, you know, the jumps on your chest, that's folklore, the old hag on the chest, but the medical term is sleep paralysis. That's the medical term. Uh, the other thing to me in with ETs is dumbing you down. Uh, 
in 2001 in chronological order after that i saw this this uh glider it looked like a glider uh is a i was uh working in a refinery I was, I was a supervisor there and instead of working in radio and making little money i i you know worked for corporation and made bigger money and bigger benefits so i that's what i was doing i was up walking up to, i was up on this tower reactor tower that actually splits the crude oil and the, the, the hot oil. It splits it in, into vapors, and that makes, uh, you know, carbon fives, and that's gasoline. Uh, it'll split it from a carbon nine to carbon 11. It splits it down to carbon five and four for gas. And then, of course, you got butane and ethanol and all this other stuff that's in lower grade. But that tower was a reactor tower. I was up on, I was up on it about 120 feet. I looked to my east. And here was this silver thing coming towards me. It had to have been only about 30 feet above where I was at. I was 120 feet up and it had to have been about 30 feet up a little higher. It was coming towards me and it was kind of glistening. It was like all silver. It was like 15 feet wide, maybe 17 feet wide at the wings. And it was about the same in the length, about 15 feet, the fuselage. It only had one tail rotor, vertical tail rotor. It didn't have no cockpit, nothing, no sound nothing it, it wasn't one of ours that's for sure you know yeah. it just just it, it didn't have no mode of operation no bolts it was all smooth like it was poured metal i called the guys down the control room i said hey guys come out here and look at this thing this is weird and they said oh no that's dave and those ufo things again you know he's crazy <laughs> and and i stood there and i watched this thing it come towards me i felt some energy i was i was kind of mesmerized i looked at it and I thought, what is going on? You know, and then it made a turn to the south real slow. It was going real slow. Uh, one of the other things, uh, it's it's illegal to fly over a refinery. You cannot fly a, a plane or a glider or anything. Uh, you can go to jail for that unless the, uh, you know, the FDA or, or the government authorizes a flight over to inspect things. But I thought well, that's illegal for that thing to fly this close to a refinery. And so it flew to the south. And I remember just standing there thinking, and my head was kind of kind of going around swimming a little bit. And I thought, what's going on? Why do I always have, you know, like a lot of people say, why me? You know, and I, but I, I don't say directly why me. I, I kind of say, why is this always happening? You know, why, what, what is it that I'm missing that I need to understand? But the next couple of nights went by after that incident, I got a, I got a dream implanted in in my mind it downloaded a, a the a future a futuristic thing to me it let me know that the refinery our department and our refinery is going to be sold and shut down i i said oh no i couldn't believe that and so when i went through this dream this is what i saw i was out watch looking at the machinery and actually you know i told the guys what their jobs to do and, and so i walked around and i inspected things i found out that it was really quiet in this dream so lucid of a dream it's like i was there and it was like i was touching the machinery and 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 seeing how warm it was but it wasn't warm it's was cold and i thought something's wrong and i went to this this huge blower room and it was really so noisy you had to hear you had to wear headphones or or whatever uh earplugs and it was quiet so I said, oh, oh, the unit's down. And when the unit's down, that's dangerous. It could blow up the town or whatever. So I ran to the control room. I went in there. It was no lights. The lights, the board was just dead. I said, and nobody was in there. 
I said, what is going on? And the first thing that come to my mind, which I think it was planted in me with this dream, it says the refinery will shut down in three or four months. And I thought, well, that's incredible. They just put $6 million worth of, you know, they refurbished the refinery for about our, our department anyway, $6 million. And I told the guys the next day that dream. And I had one guy actually literally jump out of his seat. And he said, you're crazy, Dave. He said, my God, where you come up with this stuff? I said, I said, Mark, I said, this is, this is what I, that I dreamed. I said, it was a very lucid dream. I said, it told me this refinery is going to shut down in three or four months. He said, he, he looked at the other guys. He said, you're crazy. I said, he said, I don't know what else to say. I said, okay, we'll see. You know, we'll see. So uh, at that time, I had to have back surgery, so I, I had to leave. It wasn't from work or anything. It was stenosis, so I had the back surgery. And while I was gone for two or three months, uh, I found out the refinery was shutting down. They were, And I said, oh, my God. And I'm, wow. not, there, I'm not there to tell the guys I told you so. You know, yeah. they, they knew it. They, they, they knew what I said, but they didn't talk about it. And the refinery did shut down. And when I went there after my surgery, I went to pick up my belongings out of my locker in the control room. And I had one of the supervisors, you know, walk with you and they drove you down. And, uh, and I walked in and I said, his name was Dave too. I said, Dave, I said, can I just take a walk around the control room? I said, this is weird. He said, what do you mean weird? I said, I've seen this before. I said, this is deja vu. And I walked around the control room and I saw all the lights are out. No controls were on. And it was all quiet. Nobody was there except for the supervisor standing there. He says, everything all right, Dave? I said, yeah. I said, it is. I said, this is what I dreamed. He said, wow. He said, you dreamed this? I said, yeah. I said, it was actually handed down to me from, I said, you're not going to believe this, but but from a from a UFO craft, it, it they they downloaded this in my mind and it, it come true. I said, it's so it's real. It happened. So it's real. It's factual. And he goes, Wow. He said, he said, he said, I said, I want to keep a distance from you. He said, he <laughs> said, I want to get hit by something. I said, I said, no, it's all right. You won't get, it. I said, matter of fact, it'd be better if you were closer to me. I said, because I think they treat me good. Uh, the ETs, they've never hurt me. So that, that part of wow, it. Was, man. Yeah. Did you ever speak to the guy that called you crazy again? Yeah, I did. Uh, matter of fact, we had lunch. Uh, we, all of us guys, uh, well, I met him two, three years ago, and I mentioned it to him, and he went silent. He didn't say nothing. And the other guys, too, and, uh, you know, a couple of my other buddies that we, we had lunch with, it was about a group of six or seven, you know, buddies that, that from the refinery we get together. We normally get together once or twice a year. Uh, and I told him that. And uh, and uh, and then one guy who's he's always funny, he just passed away a couple of years ago, but he's always funny, and he said, he said, Dave, he said, you told him, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I did. Yeah. And he said, he said, you're not crazy after all, like I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think he really meant he thought I was crazy. So, you know, but no, but those wow. are things that sometimes you'll get. So actually ET, do they do know time. They can, they can go in, they can go jump in advance in time or they can go back in time. So they know how to time travel. A lot of people say, well, they really can't jump in the future. Well, yeah, they can because they're downloading when some of these people have these real psychic things happen to them. And I've had it happen to me too. Uh, there was the USS Nimitz. It was in the Mediterranean. 
I had a dream and this is a, I told, actually, I told uh, people again too. I told my mom, several of my family members, I said, I had a dream about the USS Nimitz. I said, three jets are going to crash on, on the, on the, on the flat top. And I said, there's going to be some guys that's going to die. And I said, why I had that dream? I don't know. But just, just a couple of days later, I get the news that there was a, a, a freak accident on the USS Nimitz in the Mediterranean wow. where a jet, a jet come in and lost its landing gear and it ran into another couple of jets and, and several pilots were killed. I said, oh my God, you know, and, and my mom and my family who I told that to, they said, wow, things do come true, don't they? I said, yeah, they do. Wow. Sometimes that's what happens when you're in touch with them. They'll download to you. And yeah. sometimes people are psychics. Uh, I don't believe in real psychics. I really don't. Uh, mediums, I'm, I'm not too sure about. But spiritual guides, I believe in because I've seen spiritual guides in action. If they yeah. can really touch base with their spiritual you know, uh, guides, uh, some of them can. There was a lady who did one time for me, and she made me a believer. But the other incident that happened, this was then in 2005. I was busy, had my own business, and I lost that business, actually, and as there is a nightclub and a restaurant. So uh, tumultuous times during that time, and I I went to work. I even I was even a supervisor in a strip club. Wow! <laughs> so, you know, I took a job doing that. Times were hard for me back then, buddy. You know this. So, <laughs> but until I started retiring or get, getting into you know, uh, you know, retirement in in oh nine and ten, I started traveling a lot. So then that's when I went to a spiritual guide. I have a, a buddy, Larry Wilson. He's a ghost writer. He, he's written a lot of ghost books and him and I are buddies. We've been to meetings together and he's the one who, who actually got me into writing. And he said, he said, Dave, you got more stories than Spielberg. He said, my God, he said, you need to write. And I did, I took his advice, but uh, he told me to go to this lady who's a spirit guide. I just wanted to touch base on spirit guides because I have it in my angel book. Uh, I went to her he he told me go. I went there, and as I was crossing over, she had a little road like like it went up to the log cabin, and there's a pond that this little road crossed. As I was crossing, there must have been two hundred dragonflies fly right across my windshield, and I had to slow down. I said, "What's going on?" This I had chills, you know, going up and down. I said, "There must be a message there." And even today, I have a chain with a dragonfly totem on my chain silver chain and that's my totem my good luck term at the right they're messengers of god yeah. actually they call them messengers the indians call them messengers so when i went to this this house the first thing she said okay come in and sit down she said the first thing when to say you, you got a bad back i said well you must have saw saw me walking in and i kind of maybe leaned down a little bit and uh and she and she, and she looked at me she was angry she looked, had an angry look and i said well, I'll give you that. Okay. And I said, but I don't like psychics. I told her, she said, I am not a psychic. And she got, she come on point. She said, I'm a spiritual guide. She was part native American Indian. Matter of fact, her shop had native American Indian, uh, you know, things in it, dolls and all kinds of artwork. So she was original. She was real. And, uh, she told me some things that I couldn't believe. Uh, she said, there's a blonde lady looking for you. Uh, well, I ran into several blonde ladies, you know, that were looking for me. And I saw one in Springfield later on, but that, that was later on. And then she said, you're going on a trip, aren't you? I said, how'd you know that? She said, she pointed up, she said, they told me. 
I said, yeah, I'm going in about nine days. And she said, where are you going? I said, Sedona. And she says, and she closed her eyes and she thought, she, she looked at me again. She said, you're going to meet your first ET there in Sedona. I said, I've already met an ET, but uh, I'm going to meet another one. She goes, yes. She said, in nine days, you'll meet another one. I said, okay, I'll mark that down. Uh, and then she said, you're going to have damage to your car on the trip out to, uh, uh, out to Arizona and New Mexico. But she said, you'll be able to drive your car. And then I said, what's going to happen? She closed her eyes and she said, it's just going to be minor. You'll be able to drive. You'll be able to see your friends in New Mexico as you come out of uh, Arizona. I said, okay, that's a good, that's a good thought, you know? And, uh, she, she told me that, uh, she said, yes, you, they said that you have a third eye and you could see things that other people can't. And, uh, and then she told me something else that it was minor, but it, I can't remember it. I got it written down in my ledger. Uh, and I actually got a handwritten note from her, you know, you know, I wanted to get her on my show, because she's real. I mean, she hit the nail on the head. So what happened to my car? I, I thought I run into the blonde lady, you know, a couple of times. And, and I think she was ET actually. And they walk amongst us. They're all over the place. I have them writing me all the time and, and uh, Instagram and on LinkedIn. And uh, they're usually Asian and it's weird that I have, I must have I got about 50 women who's written me on truth social. This is Trump's network. And yeah. I heard, and Yuri Geller, he owns, a, he owns the Island uh, off of, uh, off of Ireland there. Yuri Geller, he, he come out with a, uh, with a post. And he said that he said that the aliens here on earth, the humanoid aliens that are infiltrated with us, he said, they're taking over Instagram and other, and other uh, sites. And I said, you're right. I said, I find so many of these strange women, you know, writing me. Yeah. And they're interested because I'm into the UFO thing and the books and stuff. That's why they're writing me. They're trying to find out what I know. And I don't have time to chat with these women. I'm married. I, you know, my wife catching me doing that, you know, my head's going <laughs> to so, so I don't do that, you know. What, so, what uh, races of, of ET do you think these are? Or do you think they're all different types? They're all different types. The one that I ran into, Hiroko, she... Uh, she was Asian. She was Japanese, and uh, that—that that I was just I was starting to get to that story after this. Uh, after I tell you, that, and then she said, "My car would be damaged. The the damage of the car was hail. I, there was a the first tornado that uh, Sedona and Flagstaff, Arizona, had in fifty years. I was right under it on the highway, Highway forty four, wow. and I looked up and I saw this this circular cloud, and and I the all I mean this hail was huge." it was making big splashes in the puddles and people were trying to get under the overpasses just for protection, but you couldn't stay there too long. So I got the hail damage. She was correct. When I got to New Mexico, I, and I got to, uh, actually I got, got to that one place that's supposed to have an alien base to it. Uh, I'll think of the name of the city or it's not a city. It's a, it's a town. Uh, but I went there and I looked at my car and I just didn't want to look. I knew there was a lot of damage but it was all dented up. And I said, Oh my God, it was a fairly new car. It's only about a year old. So she was right about that. And the second thing she was right about head right on. She said, I meet this, this Sedona uh, in the cathedral rock. I met Hiroko 
she was a Japanese gal, that she's the one come up to me and said we were supposed to meet. And she like she knew me. I I it started raining, so I said, Do you want to get in the car and just chat? She goes, Sure. And I said, You're not afraid of me, a big glute like me? And she goes, No. I said, You can whip my butt. She goes, Yes. Very firmly, she said yes. She had really dark, powerful eyes. And I'm a combat veteran. I'm usually ready for trouble. I can see trouble coming. And but I I felt at times I thought, am I being set up? The, the, the real thought come to my head when a, when a park when a parking space over from me, there was a young guy. He had a headset on. He had, a, he had close cropped hair. He looked like he was in his late 20s. And he had a headset on, but he did not look at me one time. I kept looking over at him. And he took off. And uh, we started talking. She started the eliciting emotions from me. Now, Daryl Sims, who studies implants and, and uh, these humanoid uh races that are here on earth they 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 try to elicit emotions because they're trying to learn they're trying to learn emotions from us they don't know our human emotions so in order for them to play the game with us and be with us they got to know a few things to to not stick out so she started to ask me questions she said what would you do if a co-worker you didn't like uh, you kept arguing with I said, well, you need to get them off the side and talk to them. I said, you need to keep peace because I said, if you got into trouble, the boss may fire both of you. You may lose your job. But just a, I'm talking so much, Tommy, I'm, I'm getting dry. Yeah, no, but man. I'm trying to get this this all in for you. you know, this but, is awesome. Yeah, so uh, she kept asking me questions. And then she started crying. And I said, what are you crying about? She said, my mom and dad treat me mean i said you're from tokyo she goes yes and i said really she goes yes and she's crying i put my hand on top of her hand and her hand was burning hot i lifted my hand away and i said are you okay i said you are burning hot i said it's cool i said it's rainy outside and i said all you got is a little little dinky little white sweater with a tank top on and, and denims and the denims had a mud splash on on the, the left leg and uh, that that plays out the next day. I'll tell you about that. But she didn't have earrings, didn't have makeup. She didn't have a cell phone. She didn't even have a purse on her. And nothing like a young woman would have. She looked like she was in her 30s or, or early 30s or whatever. And she was small, but she was about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, uh, and she was Japanese, of course, had fairly long hair. Uh, and uh, But she... She kept asking me questions. She says, can you read this? I had a little thing, a little gift thing. I actually give her a little a, a charm that I bought at the, the, the shop. And they're the ones who told me the UFO was sighted there at uh, uh, Cathedral Rock. And that's why I went there. Because then uh, I bought a few little charms. So I give her one. It had a little reading on it. She says, I can't read English. She said, I can speak 20 languages. I said, what? You can speak 20 languages. She goes, yes. And then this car pulled up again beside me, Tommy. Same guy. Didn't look at me. Headset on. He was listening in on us is what he was doing. I think he was NSA because my later on the other foot, the other shoe drops. They hacked my computer uh, about a month later. Uh, but I'm sure he was NSA. I looked at her and I said, I looked at my console. I had a license to carry a gun. And I had a gun in my console. And in Arizona, you can have a gun. So 
I was looking at my console. She looked at me and she looked at the console. She knew what was in there. She was reading my mind, either that or she was seeing right through the console because her eyes were so powerful. She looked at me and I had to turn away. And I said, Heroku, quit. I said, your eyes are so powerful. They're burning a hole in the back of my head. And she didn't say nothing. I, I asked her, I said, uh, I said, now your parents treat you mean. I said, and you, you want to have a baby. She said, yes, I, I want to have a baby. She told me that three times. She said, I need to have a baby. I said, well, you and your boyfriend should get together and get married. She goes, no, he's too mean. And I said, well, I don't know how you're going to have a baby. You can't have a partner, you know? So, uh, she said, she didn't say anything after that. Then this guy pulls out and 15 minutes later, he pulls back in again, third time. This was strange. He didn't look at me any other times because I kept an eye on him. And I guarantee if he would have got out of the car, I would have, I would have went for that console, but I'm sure she would have dumbed me down. She had this power that, that she can control me. She was actually controlling me, letting me know, be cool. Don't do anything harsh. Don't, don't pick up anything. Don't pick up your gun. Don't pick up a ball bat. Just set, relax and take this in. That's what she was telling me telepathically. So I felt fairly safe. So I asked her, I said, how old are you anyway? And she, she got upset and she goes, there is no age. There are no years. Don't you understand? She said, you earth people. She's, and I said, what, what did you say? Earth people. And she looked at me and, uh, and I said, that was a slip, a Freudian slip, I guess. And she says, there is no time. There is no age. I said, wow. And then she said that she traveled a lot by herself. I asked her, why do you travel by yourself? She said, I do all the time. She said, I went to White Sands, New Mexico, the missile base there. And I said, why'd you go there? She said, I just wanted to see the sand. I looked at her and I said, I don't know if that's reason enough for a young lady to go by herself to see the sand, you know? So there was all kinds of red flags popping up, Tommy. So when I got back to my room, I told her, I said, well, I guess we better part. You go to your place. I'll go to mine. And I tried to follow her. She drove so fast that I didn't even want to even try to keep up with her. I mean, I, I never seen somebody drive that fast. I said, my God, I said, I can't, I'm not going to do this. You know? So, uh, I asked her before we parted, if she would meet me for breakfast, because I was very curious. I was trying to get it out of her. I was trying to make her say that she was an ET, but I couldn't get that out of her. I asked her, if, if, are you an angel? She goes, no, I'm no angel. And then we met the next day. We met at this 101 omelet place, one of the popular places there in Sedona. And she was about 10 minutes or so late. But I was standing there in the parking lot. And I knew she was going to show up. Something telepathic was telling me that she was coming. She showed up about 10, 15 minutes late. And I looked at her and said, I knew you were coming. I said, that's why I didn't take off or go in. I was waiting for you. So I asked her, said, did you check out of your room? Because she said she had to leave that day for uh, Phoenix to go to L.A. And I said, did you check out of the room? I said, do you have a credit card? She didn't know how to do all that. I said, if you have a credit card, you didn't check out. They'll probably charge you for the next day. And I said, do you want to call? I had my cell phone. I said, I said, uh, here, we'll look it up. And I looked up uh, where she was at. And uh, she said all she ate was buns or biscuits. 
ETs, a lot of times that's what they eat. They don't eat meat. They're, 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 they're vegans. And a lot of times they, they don't eat the same thing we do. So she called and she, and the guy said, yeah, you're okay. You're checked out. But I think she had a, a guardian and I ran into that. They come in threes. They have somebody who, who uh, actually takes care of their security, somebody that's a guardian who actually helps them here on earth. And then you have the ET themselves. So they, that's a three that they come in. And that's not my words. Those are words of scientists, uh, Jacobs and, and uh, uh, I, I guess Daryl Sims even said the same thing on his research, but we went, we froze on gifts and stuff as gift shop before oh. you go in. Sorry, sir. We froze for a second then. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw that you clicked. <laughs> <back> in. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, they could be messing with us. The alphabet. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> MI, happens. Yeah. MI six, whatever. <laughs> when you talk about this stuff, things happen to the com- to the computers for sure. Right. Uh, and while this here was actually NSA, they knew this was going on. But uh, we went in there, and, and she said, "All these people," and I thought, "All these people in Tokyo? There's about a thousand people per per block." I said, why all these people? That was another red flag. So we went in, we got seated. I ordered for her because she didn't know what to order. And uh, I ordered similar what I ordered and she didn't eat much and I ate mine. And, uh, and I, we just talked, she didn't talk too much in there. She kept looking around at people and uh, like she didn't belong. And I, that was another red flag. Like she was out of character, out of, out of her, her, her scenery or whatever. But I, I said, okay, we'll go. And then before we left, she had to go to the bathroom. And uh, I think she regurgitated what she ate and we got into my car and we took off. We took her car to my lodge just right down the street. And then we took off in my car and we went around looking at the other buttes and I give her water, but she didn't drink much and it's dry there a lot of times. So you drink a lot of water, but she didn't drink much. And we got to this place and the, the mountains were kind of making a, a hissing, whining sound like the wind blowing. And she said, you hear that? She held her arms out. She said, it's beautiful. It's like it's her first time seeing Earth or whatever. And she said, it's beautiful. And I got a picture of her holding her arms out and, and saying that. And I told her, I said, uh, let's take a hike. You know, we'll, t- we'll hike up this path. And we did. It was, it was really muddy because of the rain the night before. And I said, oh, man, it's too muddy. It was clay. It's slippery and everything. So I, we walked back. And uh, I remember looking at this uh, little creek. It looked like uh, milk chocolate. You know, there was a silt, a real fine clay silt. It looked like milk chocolate. And I said that to her. And then she reaches down, gets some on her fingers, and she eats it, puts it in her mouth. And, and she says, here you try i said no <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna eat mud you know so we so we got back up on the parking lot and i said i'll pray for you and your and your brother or not your brother but your boyfriend to have a baby and i prayed for her. so we went and we went to have lunch real quick because she had to leave we went to this restaurant we had pizza she she would get everything i and she would watch how i ate we had a couple of slices of pizza. She would watch me how I ate my pizza so she would know how. And then she looked at me. She said, I like you. I said, I like you too, Hiroko, but I don't know who you are. And some guys have told me, so, Dave, 
you're using an older guy. She's a younger gal. It's a romantic thing, wasn't it? I said, no, it wasn't. I said, you really want to know what I felt? I said, she felt like my daughter. And I think that's what she was. She was my hybrid daughter. Uh, and that, that wow. comes to, that comes to fruition a few months later. And when the next shoe drops, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, but she, she looked at me and then she goes, uh, I like you. She says, I, uh, and I said, why, how do you know? I said, can I ask you again? How do you know me? She says, I know you. I said, I don't know you. And she said, I told you we were supposed to meet. I said, why? And she wouldn't say she would just go quiet. She was a very smart hybrid ET. She wouldn't let out anything because she, if she did, she'd be in trouble or she'd be removed from this planet. Usually when they're exposed, they're gone. So they have to be very careful what they say. They can't really come out and tell you. They they can play mind games with you. Uh, and actually they do. But uh, then she, she said, well, she said, I'm going to be going to LA. She said, there's some friendly people there in LA. I said, yeah, I bet there's all kinds of people there in LA <laughs> that are weird, not only friendly. Uh, but then she, uh, she just kept telling me, she said, I, you know, I need to have a baby. She told me again at that lunch. And I, I thought, why you keep telling me that, you know? And, uh, so I found out a little later on that too. Uh, but she got ready and we took off and I took her back to her car and I was going to give her a hug. And then she tapped her face, like give her a little peck kiss right here on the cheek. That's a daughter peck. That's, that's not a romantic peck. That's a daughter thing. Yeah. And so I, I give her a peck on the cheek and I said, well, bye. I said, hope I see you. She says, Oh, by the way, send me those pictures. So I took about nine pictures of us and, uh, she said, I want those pictures. And I said, why? She goes, I just want them. And so I give her my, I give her a card with my name and my phone number and my email. That's all the card had on it. It did not have my address. I was asked that because of what happens next. Uh, this, she did, she did not have my address, but she had my phone number. She had my email in order for me to send her and she gave me her email. But I had a detective friend look up her email address, and he couldn't trace it. It went nowhere. But I sent the pictures to her. I did it slowly. I sent them about two at a time. Uh, I did that because I kept trying to get it out of her. Who was she? Who is she? And what is she doing? And about the sixth picture I sent her, I just felt like, well, I'm getting tired of pussyfooting around. I'm going to come right out and tell her. I said, Heroku, I think you're an extraterrestrial. I said, you're a hybrid extraterrestrial. She did not come back on against me on that. And then she, then she told me, she said, your God did not, you know, did not do me any favors. I did not have a baby. I did not, I did not get married. And I said, my God, you know, it's like telling me that, you know, that her, the, the God or whatever she believes in is different than God. So that was another red flag. I had to pay attention to all these little words that she played and, and used. So, uh, we wrote, she wrote, I got these emails from her, but they were written by three different people. Remember, she didn't know how to read English or write it. And she had three other different people writing me back in just short sentences. And some of them weren't really structured properly, but 
it, I can tell there was like three different people, three different emails. And I had those on, in my records. And, but she, she said, I got the pictures. She said, that's, that's fine. And I said, that's good. I said, I'm glad you, you like the pictures. And then that was the last I heard of her until, until four or five months later. Uh, this was in October of 2010. It was October 4th and 5th. And, and in 2011, March 17th, St. Patty's Day, it was really nice in Illinois. My cousin and I was sitting on my front porch. And uh, this is a big part of my book. This, this, this is about seven or eight pages of my book, this whole story. So we were sitting on the front porch. It was about one o'clock in the afternoon. We were smoking cigars. And my cousin and I was just kind of BSing, like as usual. And we saw these three Asian people standing about 300 feet away, starting with, and they were near the road. We didn't see how they got there. We, we can see up and down the two-lane highway. We didn't see how they got there. They just appeared by the stop sign there at the end of the road. So they started walking our way. And my cousin said, do you know these Chinese? I said, they're not Chinese. He said, what are they? I said, they're Japanese. And I said, I think I know the woman. There was two young guys. They were kind of fairly tall for Japanese young guys. They were 15 and 16 years old, as I could probably calculate. And they were walking towards us. And the woman, and which had the same white sweater, same denims, and she turned her head. She turned away from me and stood with her arms folded like she usually did when she was with me in Sedona. I told my cousin, I said, I know who the woman is. I said, that's Hiroko. He said, who's Hiroko? I said, you might soon find out. And he said, what do you mean? She an alien? I said, yeah, yeah, she's an ET. He said, damn, Dave. He, he said, he said, this is scary. And I said, well, the two young guys walked up to us. They walked, they were about 10 feet from us. They walked up my, my driveway. First question they asked me, the taller one, the younger one, the shorter one, his leg was twitching like some kind of nervous twitch, his whole leg was shaking. I don't know why that, that was going on. And he, they, they also like, they had the black eyes, the real piercing black eyes, like their mother. And uh, Roko was their mother. And the one taller one looked like he was in charge. He asked me, he said, where's the Walmart at? And I said, it's just right over that overpass. That was it. I couldn't talk no more. I was dumbed down, shut uh, I can, I can only, I can only look, I can only watch. And he could read my mind because the next question I was going to ask him, I said, is that Hiroko down the road? He knew I was going to ask that. They dumbed us both down. I looked over my cousin. My cousin usually can talk a mile a minute. And he's, he's sometimes can be really crude and rude when he jokes with people. And he's very talkative, but he was just sitting there. His eyes were all watery. And he just wasn't saying he was done. I mean, he was dumbed down. So was I. I couldn't wow. talk. I can only look. And then they, they kept giving me these dirty looks, like the angry looks. And this one, the older one, the taller one, must have passed me. And he went into my office and he got my little pleather. I call it a pleather case in which I kept my notes in. And a lot of times those are travel notes, like, like notes on the ETs and stuff that I ran into. So he pleaded got it out in front of me out, uh, out on the driveway and he was pulling up these papers and he was looking at me, give me a dirty look. He knew that there was notes on his mother inside that, that folder. 
I didn't think about this until later, Tommy. I didn't, this didn't all come to my mind. My mind was just blank because they blanked me out. And he must have walked back in the office and put that case back where it belonged. Uh, I didn't check it. I didn't know until the next day. Uh, I saw one of my spikes. It, it, they call them a, when you put this plastic down and you spike it down for these flower beds and everything. Uh, they're they're kind of like shaped like a uh, like a U shape. But this, one of the spikes were almost out of the ground except for just a quarter of an inch hanging on. I didn't notice that until the next day either. And I thought there must have been some magnetic energy in that direction because it was right in line to where they were standing and where my cousin was at. And and I thought to myself, oh, I need to check that that brown bag. I went in and checked it. There were some notes missing. And But I, I had a laugh about it because I've already input them in my computer and I already made copies of the notes. <laughs> so yeah. they didn't get they didn't get uh, my notes like they thought wow, they did. Wow, that's good. And then they walked away. They started walking away. They got past the in front of my little road. They got past that. And I was wide wide awake at that point. I was watching every move they was making. I was watching Hiroko down just she was just ahead of him about 50, 60 feet. And my cousin started waking up and she he goes, where are they at? I said, right there. I said, they just walked across my road there and they're heading towards the Hiroko. He said, he said, who is Hiroko? I said, I'll tell you. I said, let's just keep watching. They walked and met each other. And then they started walking up to the stop sign again. And he says, are these ETs? He asked me again. I said, yes, they are. I told you earlier. He said, well, I forgot. I said, I know you did because you were dumbed down. He said, what the hell is dumbed down? I said, I'll explain it all to you. And he was scared. I mean, he, He's as about as, you know, I guess sharp as a, I always say uh, his thinking is about as deep as a, a dry creek bed, you know. <laughs> so he's, he, he doesn't think out of the box. He's a yeah. skeptic. But uh, he, but they, they met and they walked up to the stop sign. I said, let's watch him. I said, they just disappeared right before our eyes. They were gone. They did not go up or down the road. It was like, zoom me up, Scotty, you know. They just, they were just, uh, you know, they were zoomed up. They were, you know, lifted uh, by some tractor beam or something. And uh, they did you just, see, did you see that? Them no, go we up? didn't see it. No, they just disappeared. They just, boom, gone. Wow. They, they were teleported and they was gone that fast. You don't see any streaks or anything like that. No, it was just, boom, disappeared. Wow. That's, that's how it works. But my cousin said, what the hell just happened? And I said, you just been ET'd. He said, I said, these are ETs. He said, how do you know? I said, well, I met this this gal in Sedona about four or five months ago, and that's her. That's her two young sons. I said, and which are my grandsons? <laughs> he said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no. He turned pale white. He started cussing. He said, "There's ETs are going to kill you one of these days, Dave. He said, I know you've had these experiences. He said, they're going to kill you. So they haven't yet. And so he got... He got in his truck and he took off and he was scared. His wife asked me the next day, what did you do to him? I said, I did nothing. I said, the ETs did, you know? And wow. so he, he got experience. I had a witness to that whole, that whole ordeal. But after that, it was in 2011 uh, is when I really got uh, a real face full of abduction where I knew exactly what went on. And, uh, 
but before that story, I'll, I'll tell you why she wanted a kid. And I was in Sedona. I had a regress dream. I had a regress dream. I was in that lodge, room number 14 in the lodge. I was sleeping on the right-hand side of the bed closest to the restroom. And I had a dream that I was, it was like so lucid. I was there, you know. I was laying there, and there was somebody with a hose going to my groin area. It was a little brown hose. It, I didn't see what was on the end of it. They had my right leg in the air for some reason. So when I saw the hose and stuff, I kicked my right leg down. I tried to kick it away, and then that's when I went out. I don't remember anything then. The next thing I remember is that I was helped out of bed, and they walked me back and forth in the room. And there was a bright light shining in my eyes. You know, they can erase your memory with bright light frequencies. That's what they use. And Harvard had a study on that. And so did, uh, uh, I think, Oxford had a study on that. Actually, an Oxford scientist uh, come up with that idea that light can actually remove memory or even put memory in. So that's what they use. They use light frequency. Well, I wondered why there was two of them walking me. One was holding the light. The other one was holding my arm and walking me. And then on my right side at the little tables they have in these motel rooms, lodge rooms, I saw two humanoid figures, shadow figures. I didn't see who they were. Uh, and I saw the patio doors as they walking me to the patio doors and back and forth. And this light kept hitting me. Every time it did, it hurt my eyes. And somebody was holding on to my, my uh, elbow, my left side, and walking me. And the other one was doing the light. They were trying to erase my memory from Hiroko and, and from everything that happened. But they couldn't. I had that regressed dream. They missed it. They missed a little bit. They must have been amateur ETs. I don't know. But uh, they wow. missed that. It was very lucid. I I thought, okay, why did they have to walk me? It took me a while to figure this out, Tommy. They walked me because when you walk, you open your eyes, right? And how are they going to best get to your eyes? If you're laying in bed, you're going to close your eyes, and they won't be able to get that light in your eyes as yeah. well as they can. They walk in you. So that was the reason why. Interesting. Yeah. So there is some little scientific facts and stuff that I find out through research and through figuring out what's going on. So it happens a lot. So I try to figure things out. That's why I write things down. And uh, I, you know, like the DNA thing and, and why they, and now that I wrote the book, they, why, what do they want? I know what they want. I know what they want now. I know what they've been doing to us for thousands of years and manipulating us, our DNA. But after that experience, then I had some real, I had a real fantastic, I'll just tell you the one, I had three like this, but I got tired. Here's the thing about being abducted. Uh, the first thing they do is they make you tired. They hit you with energy. Matter of fact, our, our alphabet boys have these kind of weapons. They can use them too. Uh, they can, they can do things with you and hurt you and, and uh, put you to sleep and, and all this other stuff, they can do it too. And and the ETs, well, are so millions of years of advance. So they make you tired. I heard this from a lot of abductees. They feel very tired at first. And then I went and laid down my bed. About 1.30 in the afternoon, the sun was shining through the door really bright. And I laid there and I cupped my hand. I always had a habit of cupping my hand on my chin. And I just laid there resting my back. I thought, well, if I rest my back, maybe I won't feel so tired. But then all of a sudden I heard this crackling, loud crackling sound in behind me. Uh, it was I was laying on my left side and I heard this crackling sound. I started turning around 
And all of a sudden it hit me in my shoulder. It was a, like electrical jolt and the, the popping was all over the place. I said, what the hell is this? You know, and, uh, and uh, I was kind of paralyzed and I was partially paralyzed. So I started moving again and then they hit me again. It was really loud. It sounded like stepping on a box of saltine crackers, you know, and just, it just cracked. I mean, it just kept cracking. And then all of a sudden I was totally paralyzed. And all I could do is look out my, my room, my, my door, and I could see the sun and I, I can only move my eyes around. And I heard my sister's voice coming from the hallway. She said, come on, Dave, you can do it. You can do it. I said, do what sissy? That's what I called her sissy. And she said, you can do it, Dave. I said, come to the door so I can see you. She said, I can't. Now, this is a sister that was dead for four years. She was dead four years before this incident. And it was her it was her ghostly voice that was coming through. I don't know if the ETs picked it up from my head or or what, you know, but they they can do that. They can take and take sounds and stuff from your mind and your and your visuals. They can take that, put it up on a screen, or do it. They put it. These grays can put it in their heads. They're they're, they're biomechanical computers anyway. These grays are, and they they can absorb all this energy, and they can absorb your frequencies, and they know they can mimic sounds, voices that you know have heard of, and uh, so the sheet after that that stopped, and then I was able to move my fingers in my left hand. It was up against the headboard, and. And I, I started moving my fingers and then a baby's hand was put in my fingers. It was, they must have took the baby and put it kind of like upside down and draped the baby's hand in my fingers. I pulled down on the palm and I counted the fingers. I said, oh my God, this is a baby. And they were showing me a baby. And guess what that baby was? I mean, that was five months earlier. Uh, maybe, oh no, it was nine months earlier. This, this happened in, in August. So it was actually a real baby, full mature baby, and that they took from me in Sedona, uh, my semen, and they made another baby. And then all of a sudden, this this whatever was in there sat beside me. The bed went down, and what was up against my hip was was something very solid that scared me. I was I was so frightened at that point. Yeah, we. Yeah, we're brave investigators, but yes, we get we get we get afraid sometimes. We get scared. And I just yelled out, I said, God help me. And a few seconds later, it all went away. And I got out of bed and I called up a research gal that I work with. We we just investigated together. And she was a supervisor bio, she was a biological supervisor at a hospital. And uh, I talked to her about it. And she said she investigated the case the same that had the same electrical shocks and stuff that I had. So that was a big one, but I've had two other shocks after that. Uh, Dr. David Jacobs, I met him at a convention in Arkansas uh, during that time. And he told me, and he laughed. And I said, are you laughing at me? You don't believe me? He said, no. He said, I believe you. He said, he said, they, they were not taking you. He said, they were bringing you back that they were bringing you back with that electrical shock and everything. I said, oh, wow. Okay. You know, but I, you know, those are things that's happened to me. And, uh, I, I think in, in 2012, of course, I met my wife, got married, things slowed down a little bit, but then I started getting things like, uh, uh, upwards. Uh, you ever heard of upwards? They're little, little, little things that they leave. And I've got, I've got, uh, like little plastic discs that they've left. 
They actually followed me from Illinois to Alaska. I got two little plastic discs. I got them in a little safe place, two little plastic discs uh, in, in my home in Illinois. When I went to Alaska, wife and I went there for a couple of years. I got two up there. And the strange thing was I went to a meeting, a rotary meeting with a lot of scientists. And I, my landlord was a was a scientist. He he taught at Fairbanks University there in Alaska, and they had government contracts. They worked with the military, so they knew a lot of secrets. But I went to a rotary meeting with all the scientists there, and I went to the bathroom, and I noticed the guy looking at me, kind of heavy set guy. He had really piercing blue eyes, and and when I left, I went back home to change out of the business casual clothes to the to the rugged clothes for Alaska. So when I did, I, I reaching in my pocket, and I felt something sticking to my finger. And I pulled it out, and there it was, one of those discs. It was magnetized. It stuck on my finger. They're five-eighths of an inch in diameter and about maybe a sixteenth of an inch thick. And they don't fit any bingo game or, or card-playing game or flip game or whatever. They don't fit that size. These are smaller, and they were they just it was weird that I got four of them within that, that two year period. Yeah. Uh, but afterwards are the things that you get when they leave like pennies, dimes and things of that nature, the same thing. Uh, so, uh, but I also got some pictures of a little gray in my Alaskan house. The energy in there was really high. I told the, the landlord about it. He was the scientist. I told you we was leasing off of him. I told him about the high energy. I showed him the tri-field meter that I had, and I showed it around the room, and he looked at it, and he says, well, I don't know anything about those. Yes, he does. He does. He does. He just he just wasn't telling me anything, you know? I said, I said, there's a lot of energy in this living room. I said, my wife and I can't even stay in here. I said, it makes us nervous. I said, the energy, I said, look at the spikes in this energy, magnetic energy. I said, it's not safe. Yeah. And he and he goes, well, I don't know much about that, those readings. And he does, he does, he was at the North Pole doing scientific expeditions. And, you know, he reads radiation, he reads magnetism. And so he was just yeah, passing me off. So, uh, wow. but I didn't see nothing much in Alaska while I was up there. A lot of people do. But uh, in 2016, once a year, I got frozen. I was in bed. This happened between August 11th and 14th, somewhere in there, every year. And I would be in bed, 3 o'clock or so in the morning, bewitching hour. I woke up, I was on my back with my hands across my stomach like I was in a funeral. You know, I was in a casket, you know. I I woke up, and my head was empty. I didn't know what to think, or I wasn't thinking at all. I felt my arms, and they were ice cold. My whole body was just ice cold, and I was shaking the whole bed. Now, my wife would wake up even if I dropped a cell phone off of the nightstand and it hit the carpeted floor with a little thud. She would wake up. She'd say, what's that? The And I'm a big guy, and the bed was just rocking and rolling. I mean, it was making a lot of noise, and she was out. I didn't look at her because I, I wasn't thinking. There wasn't anything in my mind. I got up to take a leak because when you get really cold, your body, the body was talking to me, but my head wasn't. So I went to take a leak, got back in bed, and I, I covered back up. And it was August. It was hot. The air conditioner was running. It was about 72 degrees. I had I had a comforter on and everything. So I wasn't cold. And this happened six years in a row. Same date, August 10th through the 14th. 
And I told my doctor about it. I talked to several doctors. And my one real smart doctor, she was really good. I told her, and uh, she said, well, you could have just gotten cold. Your body, you know, sugar levels might have dropped just for it. Even though you're not, you don't, you don't have sugar diabetes. She looked on my chart. She said, you're fine. Your blood's fine. And she said, I don't know why that would happen. And I said, well, doctor, I don't know either. I can tell you something, though. She goes, what? She had a student with her. And I said, doctor, this happens once a year, every year between August 11th and August 14th. She said, are you sure? I said, yes, I keep records. I said, I got notes and, and ledgers. And she goes, she, her eyes just got big. She looked at her student and they both just looked at each other. And she goes, I don't know what to say. She said, I don't know what to say. Well, I did give her a copy of my book a few months ago. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so, now, so now she knows the background story. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's been happening. And I had the ETs in this house. My left, my wife left for the Philippines for about two months. And in the uh, end of February and towards April, the first part of May, my camera picked up uh, several, several ETs in the house. And what what had, type What type were you getting in the house? Uh, here's one of the, the first ones I found. Uh, here's, and here's Linda Moulton Howell. You might know her. She, I know her really well. I, I got her cell phone, so I don't call her unless I have to. But uh, she, I talked to her about it. Uh, the one morning I got up, uh, I saw this reptilian looking in my trail camera. It was infrared. You can't really, it's dark and really gritty film because he's right close. But you can make out the eyes passing past the, the lens his eyes and he, he had eyelashes and, and you can see his eyes and he, and he was really, he looked like, and he had the green kind of like colored skin with dark spots, black spots in it. And I told up Linda Moulton Hall and told her about it because I had a MUFON in, uh, investigator. He was the lead investigator in Missouri. And uh, his name was Joe. Nice guy. I sent him the films of my ETs. He looked at him. He was actually a, a, a documentary maker himself. He's in the films. He looked at my film. He called me back and he said, Dave, that's not a little gray looking in your camera. He said, that's a reptilian. He said, I hate to tell you. And and he said, the, the one that's going up your steps, he said, that's a Michelin man. And he sent me a, he sent me a interview that he did with a colonel the air force colonel that they said that they work with michelin men remember i told you there was four of them that the government works with yeah yeah the michelin men in the white suits they have these concentric circles around their suits and that's that's why they call it michelin man uh and he said that's a michelin man and he said the other entity that you have is a bright light energy entity uh and that's that shows up really well too i called up linda Moulton hall and told her i said the I said, could I send you these films? She said, yes. But she said, I got a question. She's really smart. She's a journalist. She's an award-winning journalist. She interviewed me one time about 10 years ago about my stories. And she, I knew what she was doing because I'm a trained journalist too. She was cross-referencing the questions. She would ask me the question, but she'd ask me another one in a similar manner, you know, down, down the way. I, I told her, I said, I know what you're doing with me, Linda. You're, you're, you're using psychology on me. And I said, well, how well did I do? She said, you did great. 
She said, the number of experiences that you've had, you're going to be in a small elite circle. And she says, it's going to be lonely there. And she said, because of the number of the, uh, she said, then she asked me, this was, that was the, before this, this other incident, she asked me, she said, how did you know to put the camera on your kitchen table? Uh, You know, she said, that doesn't sound just right. And I said, I can explain it. She says, well, please do. And I said, the night before, my sensor alarms were going off left and right. And I said, they was going off downstairs. And I said, they never did that before. I said, these sensors worked beautifully. And I said, they never fouled up. Only if there's real motion, then they work. I said, but otherwise, they've never given me these alarms. And I said, they want to start going off about 1130 at night. I was in bed. And I was so alarmed by this because they went off. And I have a I have the signal thing in my bedroom. There's a there's a thing that chimes whenever you know it tells me when I'm sleeping. And I I got up and I looked looked around and I thought and then they went off some some more. So I grabbed my weapon and a flashlight and I went searching through the condo downstairs upstairs and I didn't find nothing. And I said this is weird. So I went to bed and I was a little nervous because I thought somebody was breaking in. Uh, I'm always prepared for him though. <laughs> but uh, I laid down and I laid the flashlight beside me in the case I needed to grab it. And, and of course my weapon, because I didn't know if they was going to come back, if that was just a fluke. Well, an hour later it happened again. So I listened real well. I kept my bedroom door locked in order to give me some time to, re- to respond. Uh, and then it went off again. At two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, every hour, they are consistent. Just like my camera right now, that's going off from three a.m. to nine a.m. Consistent every minute. They know how to control these things. So what they were doing was setting these alarms off every hour. Of course, I couldn't sleep too good. And my wife called me about eight o'clock that morning, and then the alarm went off for the last time. She heard the alarm. And then the first thing she said, she said, your buddies are there, aren't they? And I said, yes, they are. They're here. I said, it's been going off all night long. So that's why I set the camera out and I, and I captured some of these images. Wow. I actually, my trail camera here has caught images of a portal, two images of a portal. And then I caught an image at a, at a birthday thing. My wife and I was at a high end restaurant and I had a birthday celebration 25th of February and I took a picture of the wine bottle in the table setting with my wife was in it, except when I got the picture, there was actually a, a picture of a, it was, a, it was one of these insectoid aliens, a mantis, a mantis ailing face. And actually I put that in Facebook and a lot of people said, yeah, it looks like it was, it was white and kind of like it was kind of peeking through a dimension yeah. and it see the face and the eyes and everything. And a lot of people who saw that did not put, they didn't give me a thumbs down. They actually, wow. them, yeah, I see an insectoid ET in this picture. Wow. So I've got several from my camera. So that's why I keep working with my trail so, camera, hoping I can get a break, you know? Yeah. Do you think these entities are around us all the time? And, and a lot of the time we can't even see them. You can't, they're invisible. Matter of fact, I've had them here in my office room where I'm talking from now. Yeah, and I've got my tri-field meter and I got another meter, radiation meter, in which I got in case there's radiation. But I, I get these meters out 
and my tri-field meter when during during this time the three or four months they were here my tri-field meter would go crazy it would peg out in the middle of the room i i took ambient readings away from electrical outlets and electrical sources and everything and it wouldn't peg out even if i put it up to the computer it wouldn't peg out it'd only go about halfway up but when i put it in the middle of the floor and, and and behind me it would peg out so i knew they were standing right there i had a brother up here one time wow. and i said i said hold the tri-field meter and of course he didn't know too much about these things and he held it and he said yeah he said it's making noise it's pegging out it's yeah i said you're standing next to an et they were right wow. behind me. they were right in the room and uh, the the magnetic energy went so high i knew that i knew they were there yeah, yeah. they're invisible wow and we, so us humans or spatial ops can be invisible too tommy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we can get into that but i don't know if i want to get too deep into that wow man <laughs> Maybe that's another. Maybe that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe another episode on that one. Yeah, uh, how are we doing on time? You, so, you look- so we are. We are nearly at two hours. I know we we agreed. We agreed an hour and a half at first, yeah, but yeah. Th- this has been so incredible. I could just listen to you talk all night, man. Yeah, I got. I got more to say. I. I just. Uh, you know, I'm gonna after this fourth book. I'm gonna write another book. Uh, it's going to be about life in general. And uh, do you think we're alone? We're not, you know, something like that. You know, I don't want to give away the true title, but I want to put down all these little things that I've learned in life. Uh, Also, I had a feeling just here, the latest thing that's happened to me besides the camera stuff that gets going off and everything, I was laying in bed. Here's the last thing that's happened to me that that I put a plus sign on my ledger. Laying in bed, must have been between three and four o'clock in the morning. I felt a tingling across my chest. I felt that feeling before and I didn't understand what it was. And, but this time I asked questions about it. I said, what was that tingling? And I was partially awake and I was, you know, I was, I can, I can see what was going on. All of a sudden I was hit with energy from my head to my toes. It was my whole body was tingling and it was a kind of a curing spiritual energy I was. I felt like I was floating on a cloud. I felt so good. My whole body just felt so good. I said, oh, my God, I wish I could feel this way all the time. What happened was the energy released all my nerves in my body and just leveled them out calmly. And my whole body was at rest and at peace just for maybe five, ten seconds. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful feeling. And, I, and I, I'm wondering, where is that coming from? I mean, I've been hit with energies before, so I kind of figure that's what's happening to me with that. But yeah. that was such a pleasant, great feeling. And I was awake, and I experienced it, yeah. That's amazing. That was the last one, two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. Do you so, think that, that could be uh, an entity that's giving you that moment, that feeling? Yeah, healing. healing. My 95-year-old mom, I told her about it. Yeah. Actually, she had an operation uh, on her right leg, and which looked like I don't want to have to mention this on your show. It looked like the the uh, it looked she had a her whole artery was clogged, you know, yeah. and it, her leg and her back and everything. She's ninety five. She had a lot of pain, and there's only one doctor in St. Louis that would do this this operation. It wasn't really an operation. They just cut at the top and at the bottom. They put an angioplasty a, a balloon there, and then they took a, a large needle and they sucked all that 
clot out. When that doctor laid out the clot, it looked like something familiar that I saw on the news here lately. I don't want to say. I don't want to get you. Yeah. And I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It looks. Doctor showed us the pictures. Yeah. She wouldn't give me the pictures, but they showed them to us. The whole family was there. She showed them, you know, what what she got out of there. But my mom said she, she felt something was sitting beside her that night before the surgery. And she said, I said, did you see it? She said, no, I felt it. She said it was sitting in the chair next to my bed. I said, mom, that could have been just about anybody, you know, a guardian angel. I said, it could have even been me, you know, since I felt those tingling sensations and things. I said, and then my mom grabbed my arms just the other day, three or four days ago, I wanted to see her, her leg is healing. She's had a little infection. They've been taking care of that, but she's talkative. She's uh, her acuity, like I said, it's like a 49-year-old woman. And and uh, she was talking about that incident. And then I said, I had that tingle. She's that's healing. And then she grabbed my arms and she says, give me some of that energy, Dave. And she grabbed my arms. And I said, I'll try, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And wow. So it's a family thing, too. Yeah, you know, for sure. All yeah. my brothers know my, my history. They even they've witnessed a lot of it. Well, she actually witnessed a giant uh, triangle craft coming over the neighborhood. I just lived down the street from her there for a while, like I told you. Yeah. And I talking to my brother, he's passed away since he was a bass player. Nice, nice kiddish brother, real nice brother. Uh, and he died of brain cancer. Uh, Sorry and, to hear that. Yeah, that was 2016. But I was talking to him in the driveway, and I told him, I said, I wanted to put the phone down. I didn't have a cell phone. It was it was one of these remote phones from the house. I didn't have my cell phone on me, and I was watching these two large lights coming towards me from the north. And then I I looked up and I saw this craft coming over me. It was huge. I mean, it took up nine houses, the whole the whole street on my neighborhood street. It took up the, all of that. It was huge. Underneath of it, the front of it had two big glass globes that hung down. Uh, I asked people uh, that saw these these type of craft. I said, but you didn't see the glass globes. I saw glass globes in the front nose, two of them, 15 feet long and about five or six feet wide. Now, those were the power tubes because the back two were lit up, and I couldn't see those glass tubes. Uh, I call them glass because they're see-through. And those were lit up in the back. There was a red light in the back, and in the center, it had a big vent. It looked like a big barbecue grill. And that's what was making the hissing sound. And I told you I heard hissing from other craft. Well, yeah. I heard from this this one. It was kind of hissing coming out of that big vent. That was heat that I was getting rid of. It was only going about 30, 35 miles an hour, real slow. It clipped a tree on the other side of my house. Wow. And uh, it come over and I watched it go away. I said, oh, my God. I said, that was huge. That was the largest craft I've ever seen, and it come right over me, dead center over me. Wow. I called my mom. I said, Mom, did you guys see this craft? And she said, see it? She said, oh, my God, it scared me to death. And I and she said, I didn't step out on the porch, and this is this will give her away. She said, I didn't step out on the porch because I was afraid of being abducted because she's had, she's had incidents through her yeah. life. Yeah. She's afraid of it. My two brothers were with her. They saw it. So there's three people plus me saw this craft. I called the police station. I said, don't think I'm crazy. Please don't laugh at me. And uh, she said, I'm not laughing, Mr. Emmons. And I said, I said, I saw this giant 
triangle craft. It took up nine houses wide. It was huge. And I said, my mom and two brothers saw it too. And I said, I said, has any of your, your police seen this, these craft? And she said, I got two of them sitting here now. And I said, I bet they're laughing. She goes, no, they're very interested because she said they have seen things like that in this area. So we have a portal here or something. And they have seen them too. And I said, has anybody else called? She goes, nobody's called in on this yet. She said, but I'll let you know if they do. And so I called the next day and they said, no, we didn't get any of the calls. Uh, Just, just do you four saw this crap. So they, they were believers, you know, they didn't. Yeah. Wow. I'll end it with that. That huge. It's incredible, man. Yeah. Amazing. Why why me? Why, why do they come? Why do they fly or near me or over me and then mess with me all the time? I asked that question. I I know why Uh, there must be 80% of that junk DNA. They like. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, it's in your family, it's in your bloodline as well. Yeah. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Can I ask you as well? You said the four, there's four um, alien races that work with the government. Can I ask you what they are? Well, the ones that I know of are the, they have these tall blue like aliens. They're tall and they, they supposed to smell or something by from, you know, whistleblowers. These aliens have a different odor than us humans would. And, it, then they have the Michelin men, the tall blues, and then they have the tall whites. They, there's blues and there's the, the tall whites play an intricate role. And the Michelin man plays an intricate role with the Air Force. The tall whites work with the, the army, the military. And they have also, from indication, I'm not quite sure, but they have the grays, the taller grays. Now, the, the short grays are just little working bees. They're, 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 as far as I, I can tell, as far as I know, everything I've, t- everybody talked to, they're by, bi- they're more biomechanical. Even Travis Walton said that he pushed one on the craft and it was real light. It was, it was kind of like, like made out of a, a polyurethane or something or some kind of a synthetic material with a brain. It's got a brain and a computer in it that knows how to do things and it, it's a worker bee. Uh, but the tall grays and actually the tall whites control these these uh, these short grays, so they do the dirty work. They'll come to your bedside just like they did me, or whatever. They'll do what they're they got to do. But the, it's the tall whites, the Fladians, the and the Nordics. Uh, the Nordics are the tall whites actually, and they're they're one of the four: the Nordics, the Michelin men, the tall grays, and then the the blue the blue tinted aliens in which the blue tinted aliens that they dress up properly, they can, they can walk the streets actually. And they do a lot of the tall whites will walk the streets and get by with now the tall grays probably couldn't, but they shape shift. There's a thing called shape shifting in which I never got into in which actually this is going to surprise you. Jesus was a shape shifter. Interesting. Yeah. I got it in my book. And my wow. angels, I got even the chapter and the, and the verse and everything. And so, yeah. Wow. So they shape shift. They can turn into humans. Okay. I want to tell you real quick before I get off, I'll tell you about the shape shifting. What, what I saw one time in a nightclub, this was in 2012. 
these are the smaller stories that I, I didn't get to, but there's a lot of smaller stories in between these larger stories in which I just want the people to hear about the larger stories. But I was in this nightclub with my two younger brothers. I call them better looking than me, younger and everything. You know, so I, we were sitting there having a beer, waiting for waiting for the owner of the nightclub to come so we could sign a contract for music. We were going to play music for his nightclub. Uh, well, he was a little late getting in. We saw this group of girls, about five or six. They weren't girls. They're women. They're in their mid-20s. And and uh, all of them dressed really nice, like they come from a big uh, gala or something, you know, big party. And they they were standing they were standing around a bar drinking, having fun. Uh, could have been a bachelorette party, but they were dressed to the T. And then there was one that was in a black dress, walked over to the jukebox. She put on a Michael Jackson song. And it was a dancing, you know, Michael Jackson played a lot of good dancing songs. So it was a dancing song. And my brothers, I looked at my brothers, I said, I said, wow, that girl's pretty attractive, ain't she? And they, they, they're just kind of like numb to the world, Tommy. They don't, they don't look around. They don't, they don't, you know, somebody held a gun up against their head. They say, what's that? You know, (laughs) but me, I'm hyper alert. I notice everything. I walk into a tavern, I look for the meanest, ugly guy, and I watch him because he could be bad news. Yeah. So, but this gal, I watched her. She walked over to the jukebox, she, and then she started dancing, twirling. She like a professional dancer. Now, these, these shapeshifters are intelligent. They're talented, and they can fool you, and that's what they do. So she was dancing. She went to the each bar stool, and she whipped around and danced. And as she got closer to the end of the bar, so we'll set, we'll setting at a high table about maybe 12 feet away from where she was at. And then she looked over at me and, and my two brothers, I don't even think they were even looking at her. I don't know what they were doing somewhere in space. (laughs) I was looking at her. She come up to me with her hands going like this. And she come right straight to me at the table doing that. And that was a come on sign. That means come hither. That's what that means. It means yeah. in any language, really. I got nervous. I said to myself, this is strange. Why would a gorgeous young woman come up to me when I got two younger brothers and probably better looking to me, but she picked me out and wanted me to go. I didn't go to her. I wasn't married at the time, so I was free to do that. That was the early 2012. And I could have walked up to her and asked her, Hey, what's up, babe? You know, you know, the, you know, the guy thing, Yeah. but I felt like I was a little older than her and she was, uh, it scared me. Something was the, the energy that she had kind of scared me. Well, that was the one shoe. Here's the other shoe. A week or so later, my brother and I, uh, one of the other brothers that went in there, we were sitting at the stool, was having a beer waiting for Johnny to come in, sign a contract. And, uh, there was this gal setting a stool over from me. This time she was in a, in a tank top and then she had denims on. And I looked over at her and it looked like her, the same girl, except she's dressed differently. And I asked my brother, I said, is that the same girl we saw here a week or so ago? He looks at her. He said, yeah. He said, it looks like her. I said, yeah, okay. And I, I, she knew I was talking about her. She he didn't have to, you know, she's telepathically zoning in on me. So I turned and looked at her, and when I did, her eye went over to the side like this. It moved like a lizard, and she had a green slit in her eye. And, wow. and I, I just froze. I just I said, oh, my God, 
And I said, here it goes again. I said, no wonder I noticed a certain amount of energy about her. She was yeah. a, a shapeshifter. She had a green slit and she didn't turn her head. She just turned her eyes to me and I saw the green eyes and I froze and I looked at my brother, I tapped him. I said, did you see that? He said, no. I said, that figures. <laughs> <laughs> but what? yes, she was. And I looked on my ledger and, and a week or two later, I saw a reptilian in my bedroom about five o'clock in the morning. The sun was just starting to shine. I was getting up to take a leak. I got up. I looked towards my closet. There was about a five and a half foot, maybe five, seven, five, eight foot tall reptilian. And it, it looked like a cobra in the face. So when I saw the cobra look in its face, it scared yeah. me. It, it, I jumped out of the bed. I said, oh, my God. And uh, and it just disappeared. It was actually it 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 was uh it was kind of like a uh, a hologram. It wasn't a it wasn't a real body. It was a hologram, but it looked real. And it was it and it scared me because I don't like poisonous snakes. Yeah, you know, yeah. As a young kid I always played with non-poisonous snakes, but a poisonous snake like a cobra and and you have a a, a creature that looked like that. It scared me. Yeah, and so that could have been her. Probably coming back and saying, bye, I'm leaving. Yeah. You know, and I wow. thought, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, man. Yeah, so they'd all fit together. I looked at my ledger and I, and the, the dates were just almost really close to each other. So it, it wow. could have been as she shapeshifted. Interesting, man. Yeah. Do you think that, that, that there's a lot of these entities around us all the time? Like, yes. Could someone work in the shop down the road? That yes. could be. You see wow. them. You see them every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, actually, I run into a lot of them on, on what I do, you know, like the UFOs and stuff, the books yeah. I attract. I guess there's about, I don't want to tell the wife this, but on just on True Social alone, on Trump's site now, it's about 50 women been writing me. And some of them look, they don't look like, a lot of them have this Asian look about them. Yeah. They have an Asian look about them, and they're curious about what I know. They want to talk to me. Yeah. And I say, no, I can't talk to you. I said, you want to talk about a show? You want to talk about the books? You want to talk about UFOs? I said, I'll talk about you. You know, talk to you. I've actually have one on tape who confessed to being a hybrid. She's from Germany. I don't want to say her name, uh, and but uh, I met another one that that was on on the chat with me. I said, you seem like you're, she said, have you run into uh, ET humanoids? I said, yes, I have. I said, I think I'm talking to one right now. She gets mad and she comes out and she says, I am one. She said, I am one. I know a lot more than you do. And and I took her for real because I, I talked to so many people and I can tell when somebody's kind of telling the truth and they yeah. come out and, and anger usually spits the truth out. Yeah. Yeah. So I get mad. I said, "Are you an ET?" And they get mad, and they sometimes admit it. Yes, there. Uh, the scientists and people are talking, even on ancient aliens. You watch that show; they're amongst us everywhere. And and the ones with the third eye, the ones that can pick up the energy, I pick up energy. A lot of people can't. I can pick up the strange energy, like I did that gal, and I can pick up the energy from these people that are writing me. And when I meet people. And they look strange. They stick out. 
And sometimes they'll just stand there and look at you, watch you, and they'll walk away. They don't say much. I was at a meeting, and I saw I saw two of them at one convention. I told Linda Moulton all about it. I even sent her the pictures of them. And then I, I, met, I met one at another smaller UFO meeting, and he was there. He looked like a robot, real pale looking, and he was asking questions about me. And I thought, I went to get something to drink or something. I walked back in, and the gal that I was sitting with, she said, he was asking about you. I said, what did he ask? said, if you were married and if I was your wife and stuff. I said, I wonder why. I said, and everybody in the room knew he was weird. He was, he just didn't, he, he just wasn't human. So wow. yes, they're, they, some of them are dead giveaways, but some of them are, are, are not like the young lady I met, not a dead giveaway. They look yeah. so human and they're so attractive that they're not a dead giveaway at all. Wow. Some of them, so probably, you, you probably met some. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for uh, sure, man. London, England is is full of ETs, also. So, wow. yeah, they're they're so interesting. Yeah, they say they work in government high places, uh, and uh, they're in. That's right now is what's causing a lot of the problems. We got evil ETs, and actually, they said the meanest ETs are the humanoid, the human ETs that are like us that come from another planet. They don't like us. They work in government. You've got the reptilians that are working underground in the caves, hence trafficking. Yeah. They yeah. work with other groups in which I don't want to say. You know, wow. so so and that's that's how the world bounces. <laughs> yeah, man. Dave, it's, it's it's so interesting. I could talk to you all night, man. I've definitely I've definitely got to get you back on the show and, and talk some more because it's well, fascinating know, stuff. Yeah, let me know how this one goes if they if they're not after me and saying I'm crazy. So no, not at all. No, we don't think you're crazy here. Let's get freaky. Yeah, not at all, sir. Absolutely amazing stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Can Thank you me. tell the listeners where they can find you and your books? Yeah, I'm gonna get a t-shirt. I told you earlier, and it says Google me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you can look up Hangar One Publishing, and my books are on there. Uh, and, uh, I do, I do have sites on, I got Facebook page. It's full of all my shows and the people I've talked to and even my guest spots that I do. And your, your show will probably be on my, my Facebook site too, before long. So, yeah, so I, I share all these two and they can see me, look me up on Google, just put in Dave Emmons, abductions, ETs, boom, you'll get hundreds of pages uh, of of my shows, of my guest spots. Uh, and, you know, and I got, uh, I got some uh, newspaper articles that I've written and a lot of people uh, close to me here actually identify with me with newspaper articles. And they said, yeah, I've read your newspaper article. Uh, several of them I've written. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm noted for, for that. And some people call me the UFO expert. I don't like that. Nobody's an expert. We don't have the answers. I can't give you all the answers. So being an expert, no, I, I didn't like that. And and uh, I would tell people, no, I'm a, an investigator. I'm an experiencer. And I know quite a bit, but I don't have all the answers yet. I don't think we're ever meant to have all the answers. Yeah. We really, It's just like heaven and hell and, and angels and dimensional travel. 
we don't know a whole lot about that. We know it exists, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a, it's it's a, it's an interesting topic. Uh, it's life itself. It's the meaning of life. When you study dimensional things, you look at the Bible. The Bible is not what it really is supposed to be. It's written in cryptic form that hardly anybody can interpret. If they do interpret it, they'll interpret it their way. A lot of the churches and the preachers have it wrong. They're leading us in the wrong direction. We are part, all of us are part of God, our soul, our spirit, our energy. And that's what they took from me and took me to another dimension when I was frozen. I was frozen because my energy was taken with my soul and my consciousness. They took that on a journey. I haven't had any that I know of, any regressed dreams about those journeys to another dimension. I don't know if I'm meant to have those or even know them. Since I was out of my body, maybe I can't record them in my in my brain or my conscious. So I don't know. That's 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 a you know the answer to life is this is just like Jesus told us, he was real, but he was a, an ET. He was born by two angels and Mary, a virgin mother. So why wouldn't he be ET? And and he was a bright white entity, and he was he knew what was he knew what it was all about. We are reborn because our soul goes on. We don't die. We go on to another dimension. We don't go to heaven or hell. They don't think there is really a heaven or hell. There's a dimension we go to. It, your spiritual currency, a person who who does good and helps others and loves and forgives, that spiritual currency, you know, kind of racks up like a bank account. And you could go the distance with a lot of spiritual currency. So love, forgiveness, and uh, doing good for others is the things that we're supposed to do. For sure, man. Dave, thank you so much, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. And uh, I'd love to get you back on soon to talk more. Yeah, I got to get I got to get some water in my mouth. I'm dry from. Yeah, fire. man, you've been amazing. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Tommy. Good night to you. Well, that's the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share it where you can. That's a great way to support the show. And if you've had any paranormal experiences, we want to hear them. Get in touch with us. Email us at letsgetfreakypodcast at outlook.com. That's letsgetfreakypodcast at outlook.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter at TC. Let's Get Freaky Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back very soon for more freaky conversations. In the meantime, stay safe and remember, keep it freaky. looking out into the darkness and then you see a figure but it's darker than the darkness i just get this like really creepy feeling and i see this uh this like shadowy demon looking figure in the front seat of the car she used to come into my room at night and stand right by my bed and i just was petrified i remember i saw something fly by my bedroom window we heard the bathroom door shut so then we looked out my bedroom window down the hallway and the bathroom door was wide open so we came
came around the bend and we saw high shine. This thing stood up. I mean, it stood up. And it had high pointed ears, it had a snout, it had a long arm, and it just, it grabbed the deer.